Before we begin, I'm second-guessing myself. I'm kicking myself. Because I'm here again? No, not because you're oh, here, okay. but you are directly involved with why I'm kicking myself. All right. I, don't have, I have no idea what you're going to say. When we did 45P, this is 46. When we begin, it'll be 46. When we did 45P over the course of the week, you went into this long spiel oh. about O.J. Simpson is, is you were trying to convince me that he's playing up to his own persona and he's using words right. on Twitter like killing it and slashing it or whatever. I don't remember the words. Looking were. for a new glove. Yes, it yeah. was. You, you had me convinced. You were trying had to convince convinced. me. And then it turned out God. for our listeners that don't know this because nobody knows this because we cut it out. And that's why I'm kicking myself. Yeah. I have been laughing all week when we found out what it was a. It was a parody account. It was not really OJ. <laughs> Can I tell you the worst part about this is that it, that you were right the whole time and that he's not doing that. So that's the part I hate the most is that you were right. So what were you do? You, do we know what account you were reading that off of? There's probably a thousand. Right. But it was the first one that came up. And oh, then, I see. And but and as you and but I, but it were, wasn't the real one. His it clearly real wasn't one. the real one. Why? Because right. as you and I were talking, I, I glanced down and I didn't see the little blue verified check mark. I'm like, <laughs> oh god, I'm my dad now. I just got tricked by the internet. You got tricked by the internet. And so here you are reading off all of these tweets. It was I made a good case though. And, and I'm saying to myself, you know what? I'm starting to think that he's right. And then we realize it's a parody account. So why am I kicking myself? We took it out. I I just felt like you know you're new to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves themselves some Jason Hamilton. Yeah. I didn't want you to start off on the wrong foot. And then when people like criticize, I mean, how do you get this hotshot Scott guy? He, yeah. can't, he can't even, he, he gets duped by the internet. He gets duped by Twitter. So we took it out. And ever since we took it out that Wednesday night, Thursday, I had been kicking myself that we took, because it's, it's fantastic. Well, we took the it out. The fact that you got <laughs> just used by Twitter by some parody account. Uh, I sure did. And I was trying to think what it reminds me of. Well, I, First of all, I like the fact that we took it out to protect me. Thank you. Except for the part where we're bringing it up right now. <laughs> You're some protector. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. You don't want to make me look stupid. Uh, I know where you're coming from. But then I decided, yeah. you know, but this is what this is all about. Shouldn't yeah, we, if right, we're going to exactly. look stupid, I should have kept it in. It's unfiltered. I should have it. But, but I filtered it. You did. I filtered I you know, out. You sure did. And I was trying to figure out all week, like, what does it remind me of? Somebody getting duped like that. A guy who's as hip as you. Very hip, yes. You're very hip. Yeah. You, you, you know this stuff. Um, I was trying to figure out what it reminds me of. And the best that I can come up with, and it, I don't think anybody does this anymore, but maybe they do. Do people still go to sports bars like on an NFL Sunday to watch all the games? Do you yeah. think people do that? I think so. Yeah. I think a lot of times people who maybe don't live in a city, yeah. a local city, yeah. like you might find a dolphin bar in Ballard or something. Right, right, you, right. you would go. So, yeah, yeah, but you're going there to watch the one, the dolphin. Yeah, but you get there at 10 and you watch all the games. Like the Buffalo Wild Wings That's right. experience. I think those Have you ever are... done anything like that before? I haven't personally. Because Never. Uh, not never, because I, I have a season ticket holder to the Seahawks. Okay. So we go early and we watch the game. So, right. yeah, I've, I've done okay. it. So maybe you won't know what I'm what I'm referring to, but when you go, I used to do that all the time. In fact, when I first came to town, there was a place called Charlie Max North. Sounds familiar. And I think it was Charlie Max North or Charlie Max South. Maybe there was both. And <laughs> yeah. I would go. And Brian Wheeler, the voice of the Portland Trailblazers, would pick me up. Okay. And we would spend Sundays gambling on the NFL like, and going to Charlie Max North or South and sitting there. And even John Clayton was there. I mean, people, I mean, there were just mobs of people there and all the games were on all the TVs. This was before pre-internet. I mean, if you want to watch other games, right, right. you can't stream anything so, right. and you want the scores that's for fantasy right. football and okay. gambling and all and that. And so when you're there, 
you're watching all these games and you know they're they're sending it to New York for the or the LA for the update on other games. Mm-hmm. And there's always that one guy who gets fooled. He oh, thinks yeah. he's what <laughs> I know exactly. I've been that guy before. Another another touchdown? That looks like the He's last like, look one. At this, look at this, look at this. And everybody else knows yeah. in the entire bar that this is just a replay right. of something that happened that we all, everybody in the whole restaurant knows that it already happened, <laughs> right. except for the one guy saying, oh, look at this, look at this. And everybody's like, Do you know what I'm talking totally. about? Totally. That was yeah, you. That was me, yeah. I've been that guy on both scenarios. I was like, boy, he just hit a home run like that. That's the right. exact same spot. Yeah. It's a bit, oh, yeah, whoops, replay. Yeah. Yeah. Replay, replay. Yeah. So that's who you were That's, on Wednesday. Yeah, night. it was very embarrassing. But I'm glad I'm glad to bring it back up now. Maybe we should go back and try to find the audio and insert it if we can. I think we're good, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am glad that OJ's not trading on his caricature and he's not really doing that. I really do, thought he do was. We, do we know for sure that he's well, not? We don't we know. We gotta for look sh- at the real account. Yeah. Do we know for sure that he's not? I don't, so, we don't know for sure anything in that guy's life. So let me get this straight. Are you following OJ or are you not following? I am I following him. The real one. The real one, yeah. And the parody And one. still got tricked. Well, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. All right. This is episode. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Maybe I'm not following OJ. Who knows? Oh, God. This is episode 46. Available on most podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, listen, and give us a five-star rating. Two shows per week, you know this by now, mm-hmm. one of which is on Mondays for everyone, and then there's that second show that we did that's just for what we call patrons for as low as $5 a month on the Patreon site. You get the extra show, and it's a full show. People ask me all the time that aren't patrons, like, what, what kind of show? It's a full show. There were it four full, guests. Yeah. On, on on the last one we did, 45P, we had uh, we had Jared Kelnick, the 19-year-old M's phenom. We dove into the Tampa Bay Rays story where there, we had a guest on to talk about the Rays wanting to go to Montreal during yeah. the, uh, during the uh, summertime months. And then we had two guests on to discuss the escalating deaths in horse racing and how horse racing is in really, really hot water and troubled. Right now, so we did all that, and we had our our full banter. So, so these these second shows on typically on Thursday, and we got to figure out. You think we should release a show on July fourth? Is that okay yeah. to release a show on Thursday, July fourth? I think it is. Or do we hold it to the July fifth? Or do we do it July third? Well, got to remember, people are off on July fourth. Maybe yeah. they're do doing they listen yard to work. Yeah, of course. I okay, listen to so, some today. Right, so sure. we'll, we'll do that. But we get a second show each week. Now, polygraph. You got you're on a polygraph. Okay. Have you clicked play? on all 45 previous episodes on Mitch Unfiltered. I can't very well ask our listeners to do that for us if we haven't done them ourselves. I'm, so, ho- I'm holding my breath. The polygraph <laughs> off. Hold on a second. <laughs> I have not, but I should. You're right. You I, still haven't clicked play. I, it takes 10 seconds to click play I'm in. everyone. I'll probably have it done before I leave here tonight. Don't worry. <laughs> no, no, don't do it now. <laughs> all right. Don't do it now. But we want everybody, if you like the podcast and you want the podcast to be healthy, and you want it to go on for a long time, even if you don't have time to sit down and listen to an hour and a half of every podcast, just clicking play and either listening to five minutes or one second or just hitting play helps. It does. It does. Yeah. You know, it it registers as a listen, and it helps keep the health kind of vibrant of Mitch Unfiltered, and it lets us do this for a long time. So I'm asking you, Hotshot. Okay. At some point between now and like 
August. <laughs> All right. Can you can you click play on each of the episodes? Let me put it on my calendar. Yeah, you put it on Microsoft calendar. You don't even have your daughter home with you right now, right? That's right. Yeah, she's we were gone. Kidless this weekend, and it was awesome. <laughs> I played guitar. I played drums. First time ever playing video games. Was your wife a little freaked out? That yes. Your daughter was. How old is your daughter? She's ten years old. And this is the first time she's ever been away. This is the first time she's been away from both of us. So my wife and my and my daughter have gone away to Phoenix, or my daughter and I have gone camping, but not both at the same time. So where does she? Go? Did she just pack up and leave? I mean, where, 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 yeah, she's she got go? a she's got a stick with a knapsack on it, like an old hobo. And yeah. she's, where'd uh, she go? Took off with a friend. Uh, they were nice enough to invite her to Ocean Shores for the weekend. So and so this is her first time without mom or dad. Correct. Overnight. Overnight. Well, yeah. First time without both. Yeah. And this wasn't a harrowing experience for her or you or your or your wife. Sadly, not harrowing for my daughter at all. <laughs> I couldn't wait to go. I thought maybe she'd really? be a little sad. No, no calls like late at night that she's having trouble sleeping or no. what have you. In fact, my wife's looking at her phone last night at ten o'clock, like waiting for a text or something because she misses her. But no, nothing. But my, you know, my, it's a good friend of hers, and and she stays with these people all the time. Oh, and... see, that's not what happened with our our world. Really? Yeah. And my, when my wife was young, she had trouble leaving her I mom. I had trouble. Oh, did you? I had trouble going. I went to camp, but always those first three or four days, I was a mess. So quick question camp. about yeah. camp. Yeah. I feel like a lot of East Coast people go to camp for like the whole summer. Is that yeah. a real thing? Oh, I don't know the whole summer. I went when I was a kid. I went to several different camps, one of which I went for eight weeks, and I always was homesick the first. I thought yeah. I couldn't make it. That's almost the whole I summer, I really though. thought I couldn't make it the first three or four days, and then you kind of get into a routine. Yeah. And it's funny. Our kids, maybe I'm saying too much here. But our kids had very similar and have very similar experiences. I'm hoping that the college-bound son oh, at yeah. some point can be without me. You're gonna- <laughs> <laughs> Movie mogul Max. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's on this show, but I don't think that that would be a topic that he would like to discuss. Yeah, I can imagine. But they always had tr- – they had, they had, I had problems. They've had problems. It's not an easy thing. But your 10-year-old just – See ya. Gone. See ya, mom. Must See have my, my personality. And is she back now or no? She wasn't back when I left, but she'll be back today okay. at some point. All right. I, I think the difference is, though, for you, it'd be scary because you don't know anybody unless you have friends there. I mean, at least she's with one of her best friends and her friend's mom. It's not oh, that I'm scary. I'm talking about but we even with camp. my kids' sleepovers. Oh, just a sleepover. Sleepovers were difficult for my kids at the beginning. Huh. Yeah, I think my daughter just has my personality and can't wait to get she's out. She's never <laughs> done a sleepover. Oh, she's done sleepovers, but never like away for, oh, for two days. But or, she's been... Away overnight oh, yeah. without mom and dad. Yeah, like okay. the, the new thing now for ten year old girls, they have a their birthday parties at a hotel. Yeah, so they'll spend the night at a hotel, and she loves it. The pool, the nonstop sugar, and yeah. food. she yeah. loves it. All right, real good lineup. We got to start episode forty, so we still haven't started it. Let's do it. Uh, best part uh, will be my final words of the podcast. I believe the best part of this, and we've got a lot of good stuff that I'm really happy with, but I still think the most powerful moment of the podcast we'll wait and see if people agree with this will be my final words who i name the podcast after you know we normally name them after number 46 yeah we're not naming it after a number 46 we're naming it after somebody completely completely different than the number of the podcast and you'll explain right? why i assume. i will explain okay. th- and those will be the words at the end that i think will be powerful uh guests two tremendous local athletes and terrific young men of whom the Pacific Northwest should be incredibly proud. One you know, or most people know. One a lot of people won't know by name. Matisse Theibel, probably 10 out of 10 yes. in our audience know who Matisse Theibel is. I don't have to tell you who Matisse He's going to be on episode 46. Ethan Paul, probably more like 3 out of 10. Yeah. Because basketball versus baseball, right? So Ethan Paul, 
Somerset and Bellevue grew up, went to Somerset Elementary School, then went to the International School in Bellevue. They don't have sports at the International School, so had to play his sports at Newport High because that's the district in which he lived, where my kids go to school or where my son goes to school. And he played baseball and was an unbelievable baseball player at Newport High, went to Vanderbilt on a scholarship, became the, the, the heartbeat of the Vanderbilt baseball program. And what did they just do this past week? Won the whole thing. They won the whole thing. And he was, he's like the star of the College World Series team uh, from Vanderbilt. He is going to be on episode 46. He'll tell his story. And then we've got two other guests, David Pernum, ESPN.com writer who covers sports gambling. Did you see the story this week from the world of sports gambling? Maybe. More money was wagered, sports gambling money, was wagered in New Jersey in the month of May than in Nevada. It's the first time ever that is interesting. in the history of sports gambling in the United States that any state outside of Nevada yeah. had the highest number of dollars wagered. One year after they approved wagering in New Jersey, month of May, more money. It was like $319 million was wagered in New Jersey on sports. That's 317 million was wagered in Nevada. So we're going to talk about that. And 17-year-old movie mogul Max is going to be on episode 46. Uh, he works at the movie theater, which makes him a critic. <laughs> and so he's going to review three movies and share his analysis on NBA free agency. So I ask you, what, what movie... Could, Siskel and Ebert, could they... Could they break down an NBA team, Siskel and Ebert? <laughs> Absolutely There's not. There's never been a more versatile yeah, a lot of range. movie. Cri- He's got all <laughs> kinds of range, yeah. this, this movie mogul match. I'm so. excited to have a funny Levy on the podcast for once. This is going to be amazing. I didn't know one lived in this house. All right. I'm excited. <laughs> nothing nothing at all He'll, one so personal it. chuckle it'll be max <laughs> he doesn't listen to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> only the ones he's on or even still know uh, that's right <laughs> all right so listen four incredible partners that make mitch unfiltered possible and i ask you not to skip ahead but instead find ways to support them the kirkland office of guild mortgage 30-year fixed rate mortgages at a two-year low which means a golden opportunity for you to save lots of money every month on a refi. Call Jordan Flowers and his team at 425-250-3150. Ask how much you can save, and I'll send you a Mitch Unfiltered Tumblr. The amazing premier wealth manager in the Northwest, Evergreen Golf Call, one of the top financial advisors, according to the Financial Times, headquartered here in Bellevue, but with offices along the West Coast, Check out evergreengovcall.com. That's evergreen, G-A-V-E-K-A-L.com to get a feel for what Tyler Hayes Group does on a day-to-day basis. Homegrown in the Northwest, Zeke's Pizza is about to add a 17th location from Bothell down to Tacoma, whether it's a night out to watch sports like I'll do with the Seahawks and Husky games this fall or a lazy evening staying in where you can order to your door by Zeke'sPizza.com. You can count on this Northwest staple and support all that's good about our region, Zeke's Pizza. And Daniel's Broiler, who has been by my side, I don't know, for 15 or 20 years. Lindsey Schwartz asked me to meet him before I knew what I wanted to do, and he said, whatever it is, radio show, podcast, something else, 
Daniel's Broiler will be right by your side because we believe in you. Four locations that simply create the best meal and evening you will find in the Northwest. Leshy, South Lake Union, Bellevue Place, and their newest jewel, downtown Seattle, in the Hyatt Regency, Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Here we go. Episode 46 starts now. Unfiltered. If you're telling me that I'm to believe that Peyton Manning was one of the top two or three quarterbacks of all time, that's where I take exception, and that's why I say he's overrated. I know five MVPs, two Super Bowl rings, I get it. I just, you know, I look at his time. I look at his his career in big games. You know, he was 11-14 and 14 in the postseason. He was an under 500 quarterback in playoff games in his career. The second Super Bowl that he won, they won despite him. Come on, we're not giving Peyton Manning credit for the second Super Bowl title that he won with the Denver Broncos. He was terrible. Unfiltered. Does Enos Cantor not realize that Julius Randle averaged 22 points, nine rebounds, three assists, shot 53% from the field, 73% from the line, and 35% from three? Does he not realize <laughs> that Julius Randle is like a blossoming all-star. He's saying that all this guy is, all Zion is, is Julius Randle, just a better version of Julius Randle. Well, let me just say that a better version of Julius Randle is kind of like a Hall of Fame player. It's, he's one of the, a, a, a better <laughs> right. version of Julius Randle is kind of like an all-star every single year. Mitch is unfiltered. This is episode number 46. I'm Mitch, and you're Hot Shot Scott. When you said this, I thought you were going to say, this is Jeopardy. No. <laughs> I mean, you, you hit it with the perfect inflection. I thought for sure I was no. on a game show all of a sudden. No, you're not on a game show. Okay. Kind of like a game show. Uh, but this is episode 46. Hot Shot Scott's here. We go way back. You were, just for the listeners who didn't hear, 43, the, the beginning, you were our board op. That's right. On the morning show? No, on the mid, but no, morning show, right? Mitch right when we went, right when we went to mornings, you were the morning show yeah, board up. Right? I met you when you were doing middays. I ran the board for you a couple days a week uh, on the midday show. Right. And then you got the mornings, and then you invited me to be full time in the mornings. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I was so there we, from day one. So and that was what year? Well, how long do we know each? Do we know each other? Twenty years? Twenty three years? Twenty five years? Yeah. You start counting. It's over twenty. Ninety five is when wow. I met you. Yeah. Wow. I remember sitting in your apartment in Queen Anne playing Sega. How Is many, that true? How many people in this world can say they sat with Mitch Levy and played video games? Sega. Yeah. So it, Sega had a golf game. Yeah. And and you and I were just hanging out and, and you handed me a hundred dollar bill and you said, hey, go up to Blockbuster and rent a console and get a golf game. Well, let's play. You don't remember that? No, I don't It doesn't sound that. like you, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it sure does. Come on. St- to, I that might have been. A, are you sure been, you're not mixing me up with like Rob Tepper or something I'm here? Very sure. That might have been the third time I've seen a hundred dollar bill, by the way. <laughs> I think I got one for graduation, maybe, <laughs> and then something else. I was like, this guy has a $100 bill to just blow on a console? I, wait a second. I gave you a $100 bill. Yep. And you said, go rent a console, and so we could just hang out and play golf. And I remember uh, there was one golfer who has kind of a dip in his swing, and you said it looked very realistic to <laughs> the real guy. You remember all that? Are you sure? Yes. And by the way, I think I need to have a garage sale in my head to get rid of stuff I don't need. Sort it's of like un- that. Unbelievable. Isn't it crazy? You remember that. Yeah. And I have a pretty good memory for things. Yeah. You're sure it was me? I'm sure it was okay. you, yes. And did we give the thing back? We only rented the, the, the Sega system? Have you ever owned a console, like in your 20s? Did you, are you a video gamer? 
Because we definitely um, well, I have it. a lot of consoles now. Well, yeah, I own no, a lot of them now. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I, I own just about everything now. <laughs> right. I'm still not a gamer, though. All right, so we normally we normally name these shows after an athlete that wore 46, but we're not going to go down that road. I'm, uh, I'm not going to go down that road because I want to name it after somebody at the end of the show okay. that it's important for me to tell the story. Okay. I am very – there's a sports story out there that has really moved me, and I want to share it with you and our audience. So we're not going to name them – we're not going to name 46 after Lee Smith, who wore 46 and had 478 saves. We're not going to name 46 after Andy Pettit or Chuck Muncie, who used to run the ball for the San Diego Chargers. I remember. Or Jason Chorak. Does that name mean anything to do? Yeah, Washington Husky. Linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he D was the 1990. Or, yeah. yeah, it was kind of a D lineman. Hybrid. Lineman, yeah, yeah, like a yeah, hybrid pass rusher. 1996 Pac 10 Defensive Player of the Year. We're not going to name it after Bob Wells, a pitcher for the Seattle Mariners, or David Hughes, a former fullback of the Seattle oh, Seahawks. Oh, I remember David Hughes. You do? Of course. Number 46. Yeah, because he, he blocked for Kurt Warner. That's, so that's right. how I that's remember ex- him. That's exactly yeah. right. I've decided to name the show after my... A- I don't know that I've done this with you since you started up with us, but I, I, I've done this kind of offbeat a- athlete of the week. Did I, have I done one with you yet? No, you haven't, but okay. I, I have heard it. Okay, Because yeah. you had the guy in the slapping contest. Oh, God. And I, God. Have you seen that guy? After, after you talked about it, how could I not stop the podcast and go look at that video? It was the coolest thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. I mean, if, if you had to like look up Siberian Farmer in the dictionary, he would show up. Was that guy not the toughest? Who's beating that guy Right. Up? Enormous. I, I did wonder though if his big beard sort of helped cushion the blow. No. It wouldn't have mattered. No. Did he even move when the guy slept? <laughs> no. And then how about his? Oh my! He was knocking guys like out. They had to bring out the smelling salts. For yeah, the guys. yeah. It's like having a catcher's mitt for a hand. Right. He just whap. So, so yeah, I do remember. So he was that. my athlete. He was one of my athletes of the week. Mm-hmm. So my athlete of the week this week, I'm going to identify in our last segment, and then I'm going to name the show after him. So okay. it's, I'm not going to name the show after any of the 46s that I just mentioned. Now, the other thing that I, I did want to bring up for conversation, are you a fantasy football league guy? Do you like fantasy football leagues? I do was, you do that? It's a long story. Oh. I was in it forever. By yeah. the, I, I think I might have been one of the first people to ever play fantasy football in 1989. It used to come in a board game. There's a lot of people who think they're the first person who ever played I fantasy think it's football. Me. Yeah. Okay, it's you. Yeah, I think it's me. So what happened? It got a bad, u- a bad. Yes, it got ugly in a league I was in with somebody you know, and it, it was like four hundred bucks to get in, which is kind of a lot. Yeah. So you know, when the money gets high, you know, people start taking it kind of serious, and it well, got ugly, not? and it yeah. got heated, and somebody locked my team, and it was ugly. Had people coming no, no, after no, no, me. No, no, you, no, no. <laughs> come on. It was come awful, on. and I have not people played since. Wa- pe- really? And yes. what year would this have been? Two thousand ten. Would our listeners know this person? We've talked about him. Really? An old producer of yours. An old producer. Okay, so you got to tell the story. Tell the story. Okay. People would want to hear the story. This this changed. This this did did you in for fantasy football. You've never played fantasy football league. I have not. Since. Because of the bad taste in your mouth. Yep, that's exactly right. Okay, so explain to us what happened. So I forgot to put my lineup in once. Just a total mistake. I just forgot to put it in. You know, you have a certain time to do it online. Right. Didn't put it in. People thought I was just sort of mailing it in, which isn't fair. You know, when people when people just kind of quit because they're they're out of it, right. it just helps the guy you're playing against. That's but right. if somebody else is vying, you know, when there's a lot of money on the when line, a lot the of, other teams get pissed that, that's you're, right. that you're mailing it in. So mad, and I, I I think I'd forgotten to put a quarterback in or something. And so, were you out of it at this time? Yeah, I think I was oh, out. Of it. So it, it looked yeah, like I was yeah, mailing it in. Yeah. 
So then I get all these hateful email, one from the commissioner, this guy, David, who was like a sales guy in the radio world and this awful email. And then uh, Wink was in charge of it. And so he and I are going at it. Right. They, they, they locked my team so I couldn't put my lineup in for the rest of the year. Even though I was out of it, it annoyed me. So it was just a bunch of emails and phone calls and like nobody had my back. Like people I've known for a long time, like nobody had my back on because this. Because they thought you were they, taking a yeah, dive. They thought I was didn't care. taking a dive. And I vowed I'm going to be fantasy free going forward. And I have been. All because of that one yeah, situation. Yeah, that one situation. Yeah. It really annoyed me. People but were coming after me. by locking you out, didn't that help all of your... I mean, what was, what, was the, well, what was the accomplishment from locking you out of your own team? I think they all sort of came together and agreed that they would just run my team going forward if I wasn't going to do it. And they would all sort of agree on a lineup to make sure a lineup got in. But I wasn't allowed to go in and put a lineup. And it really bugged me because I paid my money. I should be so able to do So they were making your lineup for you. They were going to To try to make week. it as competitive. Oh, boy. That's exactly right. And it, it made now, me Now, if hot. I talk to them, would they have a different version of this story? Is this is this the 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 all of the facts of the story, or would Wink or the commissioner come on and say, "Now hold on a second. This was the fourth week in a row that he didn't put in her." Oh, definitely so not it, that. What do you have? What, what what would their explanation be about hot well, shots? I'm trying to think about what what part of this would like makes me look good. I'm the one that forgot to, <laughs> to put in a quarterback, so <laughs> I, I, you know I'm not really that's embellishing right. in any yeah, way. I, right. I totally forgot to do it. Just once. So, nah, they wouldn't say anything different. And so you'll never play fantasy football again? I don't know if I if I will ever play it again. It's I just can't be in a league that's so, at least with competitive guys like that. Because okay. it, it was just too much. Well, maybe it just was too much money and it yeah. got to be too that's serious right. and it wasn't in the in the, the spirit of fun. Yeah. And these were people that... so You're staring it, down the barrel of like three grand it, if you win. Did you it know? damage relationships with people? I mean, do you, are you... No. Like, no. No, I, I see. Everybody was okay. And, yeah, everyone's fine since right. then. All right. Except for one guy. Uh, <laughs> I didn't really care for him anyway, so it's all good. And no, I'm not going to accept your friend request on Facebook. Beat it. Oh, really? <laughs> it's still sitting there. Every time I log on, I see it. No, he's fine. Everyone's uh, fine. I love everybody. All right, so here's the reason I bring it up. And bear with me on this. So you know that since we started, we've done a couple of really nice dinners at Daniel's. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was looking for so, the invite. Yeah, so, yeah, well, you'll get one. All right. So, the first one that we did was a an NCAA pool, an NCAA basket, the week of the NCAA basketball. Cool. We had a huge dinner. We had a huge pool. We did some lessons on how to win your pool. It was a lot of fun. We had a whole bunch of people come. The second one that we did was U.S. Open Golf, and it wasn't as highly attended, but it was fun, and a lot of people came, and it was great. So... Daniels has come to me and said, what about a third one? When are we going to do the next one? And what do you want to do it about? And I, I've got an idea, but now I'm a little gun shy. I'm just being honest, okay. being transparent here. I'm a little gun shy because I don't want to come up with an idea that I think, I thought the U.S. Open one was a good idea and it was a tough sell. So I don't want to come up with an idea that I think is great that's not so great and then have it not work out. So I'm bringing it up for conversation. I'm bringing it up for people to hear. It's a fantasy football league idea. So here's my idea, all right? We do a fancy schmancy dinner. When I say fancy schmancy, I mean just the best evening, the best dinner in town. You don't have to dress up or anything like gotcha. that. We do it at Daniel's, and we do it on a night, the week leading into the first regular season of the NFL, when everybody's doing, well, when good leagues are doing their fantasy. Some, some fantasy leagues, they they start like five weeks earlier. <laughs> I know, silly. And people haven't been cut yet. People yeah. are drafting guys that are going to be released. Okay, so I'm talking about either the Monday, the Tuesday, or the Wednesday, leading into that Thursday night opener, that those Sunday games, the first week of the regular season. 
and I invite nine or 11 leagues. Okay. Okay. You have to have 10 or 12 person leagues. Most leagues are either 10 or 12 That's right. teams, right? So we invite, we either have nine or 11, depending on how many show up or want to, want to, and they do their draft while we serve them appetizers, beer, wine, steaks, salmon. They do, they, we set up a table, a draft, we set up nine or 11 draft tables where everybody in that league comes and they do, and the first half while they're eating dinner, they do, everybody does their draft at the same time. Got it? It's brilliant. Okay. But the kicker, here's the kicker. After they finish doing their draft, each league does their draft at their table. Mm -hmm. So nine or 11 tables of drafting is going on. We get to dessert. They get the draft done. We then, during dessert, do a second draft where each table is a team. Each league has one team in my league. Ah, gotcha. And I'm the either ten. That's why I say nine or eleven. Yeah. I'm either the tenth league in the tenth team in the league, yeah. or I'm the twelfth team. And then we do a draft where I put up a huge prize. We get a we get a sponsor. We put up a huge prize, and we then do another draft where each league has one team, and we play the year out. I what do you think of that idea? Anything football or fantasy football is just money. I okay. love it. It's such a great idea. For you, but do you think people would, would like that? You think that's a good idea? I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's just for me. I mean, the, the U.S. Open, that's a bit of a tough sell for a guy like me because I don't yeah. love golf like a lot of people do. Right. This is just going to cover everybody. Okay. Everybody plays fantasy football. Everyone loves it. Okay. This is such a great idea. Okay, so that's the idea. So the reason I'm bringing it up here on, on episode 46 is I want to get a feel for people that are listening right now that would say, hey, yeah. Yeah, me and my nine guys or me and my 11 guys or 12 guys, we'd love to do that. We'll do our draft at Daniels on that like Tuesday night and then we'll have a team in the league, in the Mitch League, where the winning team, the Super Bowl winning team, wins a huge prize. And so I want to get a sense from people if they'll write me at Mitch, MitchUnfiltered.com or on Twitter or somewhere, just contact me and say, yeah, it's a good idea. We're in. We, we would be interested. I want to just get a sense of how many teams would be interested, all right? Yeah, people have to have their draft anyway. Why not have it in such a cool atmosphere like this, right? And be fed like right. kings and queens. That's right. Right? So that's, that's, the, that's the idea. Now, the other direction that I wanted to go in the first segment before we get to the, the, uh, the three or four interview segments I think people will really like is I have been asked over and over and over again about kind of the direction of the podcast. And I don't mean necessarily from a co-host, you know, who's going to take Jason Hamilton's spot? Is it going to be hot shot? Are you going to rotate people? I'm going to rotate people. I'm going to get people involved. During football season, we'll get some really fun names to, to help host, and you'll, you'll be involved as well. But more from a, from a content standpoint, okay. what is... What is Mitch Unfiltered going to be? And I got to tell you, I've never really had a good grasp on what I wanted this to be. Did I want it to be the old show? Did I want it to be a little different from the old show? Did I want it to be only sports? Do I want it to get out of sports? Do I want it to be only local Northwest sports? How much national stuff? I, I just never, never knew. All I knew is I was going to do a podcast and I didn't have a good feel, and I think now I'm starting to get into a groove to understand what I think the positioning of this podcast would be, and I like to discuss it. First of all, when you, I mean, you were a listener of it. You were in on the, the early stages. We talked in the early stages. You listened to it. You've now participated. If somebody said to you, I haven't listened to Mitch Unfiltered, what is it? What would you answer to that? What is Mitch Unfiltered? 
it's a sports talk show first and foremost, yeah. but he's he's venturing off into other topical things occasionally. That's probably how I'd say it. It's not just it's not X's and O's, right? We talk about I mean, and it's not just local Northwest Seattle sports either. Right. We talk about all kinds of stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. When I did the radio show, now I don't know how you and Rob did the T-Man show and all you guys did, how, how, what your strategy was each morning for the T-Man Get show. Get in at 5.59 a.m. and hit on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's okay. about it. That's one way to do it. <laughs> yep. Um, I did the radio show for 23 years. So I did mornings for 22 years of the 23 years. I did middays for one and mornings for 22. And if you said to me, if you asked me if I always did the show the way I would have liked to have done it, the answer, I'd be lying if I said yes. That's interesting. Because there were pressures and anxiety on me to do things that people, that the station and the group wanted me to do, and that just radio calls for, morning radio calls for. I'm not, I'm not blaming this on anybody. When I branched away from local sports to national sports, when I just wandered off, I'd have anxiety. There would be a little bit of anxiety. And then when I wandered away from sports altogether and did other stuff, there'd be a lot of anxiety. I didn't know whether I was doing the right thing. I didn't know if I was pissing people off. I don't know that I was doing the right thing for the health of the radio station. So I always felt like there was this kind of obligation to the listener who was spending 20 or 30 minutes in his or her car going to work every morning, and they wanted to hear something specific. And so I don't know whether you guys did this on the FM. We were told, and and understandably so, repeat the hits. If you do the Seattle Seahawks at 6 a.m., do it again at 7 a.m. Pretend like you didn't do it at 6 a.m. If you have a strong opinion of Russell Wilson at 6, do it again at 7. Do it again at recycle. Do it all over again. Because the the transient nature of the morning show, the morning show hours is that you're in a different audience. You got a different audience one hour from now than you did an hour ago. That's right. They'd always tell us the average listener listens for eight minutes. I don't know if that's true or not, but eight or 12 or something like that. It wasn't very long. And so we... We had to keep kind of make sure it was local, make sure we were repeating the top stories, make sure we were doing what we figured people wanted to hear, but we had to do it over and over and over it's again. It's equivalent to playing the hits. Right. Yeah. And I don't feel that way at all on the podcast. You the shouldn't. podcast is completely different. It's different, yep. And what is the biggest difference, which really has me where I am right now, and that is this little button called fast forward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, to me, it's completely a game. A game it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're laughing, but it, it completely is a game changer. Yeah. It changes the whole thing. Because now I feel like, okay, if there's a fast forward button and we're doing an hour and a half, two hours, an hour and 45 minutes, a couple times a week, once for the patrons, one not, I now feel like, you know what? I don't have to ever repeat, right? I never have to repeat a top story. That's right. And I can do the, the stories, the sports news, the non-sports news, whatever it is that interests me, I can do because the person who was in the car for 20 or 30 minutes while they were listening to KJR or listening to you guys on Cube, they had no ability to fast forward to a subject or a topic that they ha- that they like. That's right. They had to listen to what, what was on at the time. I'm sure a lot of them wish they did at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now that I've got the fast forward button, I can do locals when I want to do locals, like Matisse is going to be on this show and like Ethan Paul is going to be on this show. 
I can do national when I want to do NBA if people don't like NBA because there's no team in Seattle. We'll talk about that. I can do that. Uh, if I want to want to wander away to something like I did with Stephen Elliott, the, uh, the the war hero who wrote the book, I can do that. If I want to do something about 911 responders, I can do that. I can do whatever it is that interests me and then just hope that at some point during that hour and 45 minutes, we've hit the cord with some people in our audience and allow them just as long as we keep supplying them with a ta- I don't know if you've seen the table of contents. Yeah. Here's what we're doing. Here's what every show's got a table of it's contents. Huge. I think that's huge because I do that on podcasts. I don't really want to hear right, about this. Right. Oh, it's at 749. Okay. That's right. Fast forward to that's it. That's right. Yeah, it's great. And so that's what Steve, Steve Dion does. Uh-huh. And so every one of our shows has a table of contents and allows you to skip around. And I just feel like I now, after like 55 shows or how many shows we've done, we've done 40, we're on 46 of the main ones. I just feel like, okay, I, I think I know where I am on this. I think I, where I am is I'm going to always do local stories for the Pacific Northwest that intrigue me, but I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to force it. I, if I don't want to talk about Daniel Vogelback making the all-star team, <laughs> yeah. which he did, which is unbelievable, uh, I'm not going to talk about it. And I'm not going to be forced to talk about it. And you, you would have felt forced in the past? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. I would have felt like, okay, whatever local stories that there are, I've got to not only talk about them, but I've got to talk about them over and over yeah. again. And feign interest. So, right. <laughs> right. And it's hard to do it a second time like you haven't done right. it the first time. Yep. And so I, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to do the show with the things that I'm passionate about. We'll start local, we'll branch out to national sports, and we'll get off of sports, and people should use the fast-forward button. And so that's that. That's the – that's the. I, you say, like, what, what, so what are you making such a big deal out of it? I don't know. I came to this epiphany, like, in the last week what, of, okay, this is what I want the podcast to be about. Did something hit you, or did it just come to you? I'm just curious if something sort of struck it, and you went, ooh. No. I think I'm onto something here. No, I just started getting comfortable with the rhythm of what we're doing. And I just, I don't know. And maybe now somebody's going to yell and say, you got it all wrong. (laughs) You're doing it all wrong. The fast forward button doesn't mean, our fast forward button doesn't work or something like that. I don't know. But this is what I want the podcast to be. Podcasts are so new. It's such a, it does feel kind of like the wild, wild west in a way. Like everyone's still trying to figure it out. Right. So I think that's what makes it fun. Give it a try. See what you think. Yeah. So that's the, that's what I'm going to do from here. Starting from here on in, I'm going to do, and that's what I've been doing, but I've been gingerly doing it. Like, hmm, is it okay to talk to Stephen Elliott? Is it okay to talk about Kawhi Leonard for a few minutes? Is yeah. it okay to talk about the New York Knicks or horse racing or gambling in sports when maybe it's not golf? Here's the golf, the... the, the, the Hold on, I'm fast-forwarding. <laughs> the, 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 the golf inferiority complex, <laughs> right? Is it okay to talk about golf? I'm just going to talk about what interests me and hope that the audience that you and whoever's in your chair likes it and enjoys it, and the audience can flip around and pick and choose the topics that they want to hear. That's what I'm going to do. I don't know if your goal is to have world domination in the podcast world, but just try to picture somebody who maybe like lives in London who stumbles upon this. Would they be entertained? You I know? want them to be entertained. Right. So that's I, I want to be able too. to entertain people outside of Puyallup. Right. right. I know I'm big in Puyallup. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but I, I'd like to be big in Peoria, Illinois. I mean, I'd like to. Yeah. I mean, I'd like. Turns out it's the World Wide Web. Yeah, not, not just the Northwest Wide Web. Right. So, right. Yeah. And so there's a lot. There's a lot of potential audience growth. Right. A lot of people out there. But then I don't want to alienate 
yep. these people who who have been so kind to me and uh, I, I'm not suggesting here. This isn't a way of me saying I'm going to ignore Seattle or Northwest sports. Yeah, no, no. I, I know what you're I'm saying. I'm just yeah. not going to force it. Yep. I'm not going to force it. I haven't talked much about the Mariners because there's some pretty obvious reasons why I haven't talked a lot about the Mariners. Sure. All right. So where do you stand on the NBA? This whole NBA free agent frenzy before we get to the four interviews and we wrap up the show with my what I think the most powerful topic that we're going to even discuss tonight. I'm going to end the show with um, where, where do you stand on Seattle not having an NBA team? So we shouldn't talk about Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant and this crazy. There's no, you, you turn on SportsCenter on ESPN. You can get a pretty good snapshot of what the sporting news in the world is. And right now it is. NBA free agency is the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth stories. Well, it's funny you say that. I, I took a screen cap of Twitter on what's trending in the U.S. Yes. And the top... The Sports top, are all, all everything. Everything, which yeah. is why it's interesting. So yeah. out of the top nine, eight out of the first nine were NBA related. It's it's Knicks, Kyrie, Nets, Brooklyn. So to say that people aren't interested in the... Now, I know Seattle's had their issues with it, and I'm believe me, I'm one of them. I'm a lifelong Sonics fan. I don't love the NBA. I'm, I, I think... I still look at the NBA like I like the NBA as a friend right now. I'm not, I'm not ready to move back into love. Right. But I'm, I'm putting my toe back in the water because it is basketball at the highest level. Right. So but I understand if there's a lot of people who say, I don't care about the NBA. It's dead to me. They're going to be there. I was one of them. So I understand that. But it goes back to your fast forward. I did a Twitter poll for a couple of hours on the Sunday that we're recording this. And just for a couple hours to get a sense of whoever was on Twitter at the time. And 78 percent said discuss. Oh, interesting. Okay. 23 or 22% said, no team here, we're out. We don't want to hear any kind of conversation. But I'm interested in it for a couple of different reasons. Well, I was never a huge NBA fan before I came to Seattle because where I grew up, we didn't have the NBA. I grew up in Florida before the Miami Heat got there. There was no NBA. And then I got into college basketball, and I really love college basketball. That's a real passion of mine. And the NBA was always, eh, it's a lot of individual one-on-one. I never never really, and I I never thought the passion was there on a Tuesday night in the middle of the season. There was never, so I never really, and then I came to Seattle, and I really got swept up by the Sonics. I came in December 1994, January 95, so they went the first year. They went to the playoffs and lost in the Tacoma Dome. In the first round, when Salt and the, the, the Salt and Pepper were dating yeah. Gary Payton. I don't know what that was <laughs> yeah, going on there. They were there. Yeah. Uh, and then the next year, and then I worked for the Sonics on TV with Marcus and Kevin, and we they they went all the way to the NBA Finals, and that was a fun. So I got swept, and then they and then they left. Yes, they did. And so I was back to being a college basketball fan, and I don't know that I really followed NBA. I I wasn't one of those guys who were like, NBA screwed us. I am now boycotting the NBA. If I didn't pay attention to the NBA, it wasn't because of that. It was just because I need a team. I need a a horse in the race. I need a rooting interest. If I don't have a rooting interest, then it's hard for me to get involved in a league when I don't have a favorite team anymore. Not only not having a rooting interest, but then it's a big party going on you're not invited to. I mean, you, you know, it's like watching your ex. Yeah, uh, but then then you're getting me. then you're getting into okay, I'm boycotting the NBA because they screwed me over. Yeah. That's not where I am. I was just okay, I love college basketball. I now have my my favorite team now plays in Oklahoma City. I don't care about them. And yeah, I feel a little scorned by the NBA, but the reason I'm not going to watch or pay much attention is cuz I just 
don't have a horse in the race anymore. Mm-hmm. I need a horse in the race. If, but then slowly but surely, I had kids, and they loved the NBA. Right. And they, what are you going to do? Watch yeah. it, and I started to get get involved. And then this free this free agency. This seems to me like the most incredible free agent period in the history of the NBA. It's amazing. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody. Maybe Woj would say, Mitch, it's just Woj. it's just this year's. Last year, you could have said the same thing. Next year, you'll say the same thing. It just feels, this feels different to me. Well, I mean. The storylines in NBA. And as soon as it went like to three o'clock Pacific time on Sunday, $170 million (laughs) contracts, 180, it's like Monopoly money. They're (laughs) like just handing out like $500 bills from from Monopoly. It was was the craziest thing, was it not? Yeah, I was wondering how how early owners can talk to players because, I mean, they had these deals done. It takes a long time to get this stuff handled. Yeah, you think they're interfering or? Oh yeah, they're definitely talking before the, the 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 process begins before the time legally. Has to be. No, I yeah. don't think they're yeah. allowed. I don't think they're allowed. They, they have to be right have because to right be. at three o'clock, I like know. Kevin Durant signing with the <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets, right? It's not like he showed up at two o'clock to discuss this for the first time. <laughs> I think I think that Adam Silver is kind of looking the other way. But to to me, of all of the things that's going on in NBA free agency. I think the most fascinating storyline, I, I don't, and I don't think it's even close. If you took all of the Kyrie's, Kevin Durant's, um, LeBron, well, he's not. Yeah, you know, the Lakers. If you took all of the free agents and all the stories and you and you added them up, it wouldn't equal to me the one story that's most compelling, and that's Kawhi. Leonard. I see what you're saying from this year, just the free agents. Oh, yeah, I, yeah it's may, maybe ever. I mean, how often do you see a guy? who wins a championship in his first year somewhere in a league, becomes, honest to goodness, the toast of the town. He is the most popular person in Toronto. He goes, did you see the highlight of him going to the to the Blue Jays game? He walks down the, the road yeah. and everybody gives him a, the, they stop what they're doing. Everybody stops what they're doing yeah. and they give him a standing ovation. I mean, he is for, the, for he good is, reason. He I mean. is the most, he is the most, and yet he's faced with this, incredible decision this dilemma now i don't want to i'm not going to play my little violin i mean it's like do i want to make 180 million here or do i want to make 180 million where i live in in southern california i get it's a first world problem i'm not gonna i'm not crying for him but sports is fantasy land anyway everything we talk about is fantasy okay i I get that it's it's ridiculous and we should all have these problems but the dilemma that he's got in front of him is fascinating what do I do? I mean, I am I am so beloved here now. I I, I mean, people are treating me like ro- they're offering me free condos and it, and everything's for free and the, the the world they're they're placing me on their shoulders. I am the most popular person in Toronto, and yet I kind of want to go home and play in my own hometown. I've always dreamed of playing for a Los Angeles basketball team and play my. What do I do? I mean that that. It's that, that's a fierce dilemma, yeah. isn't it? I think combined with he seems kind of like a, a private person, like no one seems to know oh, yeah. his next move at all. No, like the, everyone's guessing. Right? Doesn't that kind of feel that oh, way? There's no question about so it. So I think that adds to the intrigue too. It's like one of the biggest decisions in the history of the NBA that a guy's ever had to make, and no one knows anything about him at all. So if you're in Toronto and he leaves, how do you feel about him? Well, I mean, sports fans are you are pissed? Gonna go, they're going to go crazy. I, I would be more mad if, if we didn't win it, if I'm a Toronto fan. I'm glad we at least got one. And then, all right, thank you. I understand you're going to go make more money. You at least got one. No, you're not going to make more money. Or not more money, but you're you going to make, make more a ton money of staying money. here. Yeah. You're going to go and make less money well, to play in your hometown than we can. 
We just we just want a championship together. We've treated you like royalty. We've given you the key to the country, not even the city, the country. We can give you more money than anybody else, and yet you're going to say thank you, but no thank you, and go play in your hometown, even though that is your hometown for less. Yeah, they'll, they'll be outraged, but I don't think it'll be burning jerseys like they did with LeBron, because right? It's also Canadians. People are different in Canada, yeah, aren't they? They're very nice. Sports fans are different in Canada. <laughs> yes, they are. And there's this, there is this thought, like you just said, that a lot of them are going to be like, well, he came here and he brought us a championship. Yep, he did. And we're forever indebted, so good for you. Go home. We love you. They're going to drive him to the airport and give him a parade on the way to the airport. <laughs> You're pushing it a bit. Love and and I, don't, well, I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, what would you do if you had if you had that dilemma on your hands? Well, Toronto what would you do? The, Toronto in the winter? Ugh, no thanks. Even though? But he'll be the toast of the town no matter what city he goes to, right? But not like this. You're you right. get not lost like in that. Los Angeles. I mean, he's just home with his buddies in Los Angeles. What's he looking to make? I mean, 100 and... Well, or? I think he gets 100, I don't know what the numbers are, 140 the first four years with the Clippers, right, 180 so for the five years. You don't stick around You don't stick around for a free car or a free condo. That, that stuff doesn't, he can get his own, right? Right. So I don't even know if that factors in. But do you stick around because you feel like an attachment to <laughs> Toronto, you just won a championship and they just, they put you on their shoulders and they, they want to treat you like royalty? There would be part of me that would want to try to repeat, part of me. But Southern California is kind of nice. <laughs> I got to say, it's cold in Toronto. So I could see a young guy. I could see him wanting to go. All right. So I, I wouldn't hold it against him. And it, would, right. it would make sense. To All me. right. Four good interviews. We got four good interviews. We've got Matisse Thibel on the way. We've got Ethan Paul on the way. We've got the story of how New Jersey outdid Vegas or outdid Nevada in sports gambling for the month of May. First time in the history of sports gambling. Things are changing as we watch states now approve sports gambling, not Washington, but uh, just about every other state is so kind of silly. in the process of approving sports gambling. And the return of movie mogul Max. He's got three new movies that he'd like to review, and he's got some analysis of the uh, of NBA free agency. Rangy, that kid. <laughs> Alrighty, hot shot. I sent out another handful of Mitch Unfiltered tumblers on Thursday. People love them, and they're killing two birds with one mighty stone. With 30-year fixed mortgage rates at a two- or three-year low, call the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Ask how much money you'd save in a refinance, and that's it. I'll send you a tumbler. No commitment needed, just a call. My guess is you'll be surprised at what Jordan Flowers' crew can do for you and your family. Here's the phone number, 425-250-3150. That's 425-250-CAM Chancellor, KJ Wright. Now listen, to get the tumbler, you must call the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Many have Googled and called different Guild Mortgage offices, which I'm sure provided great service, but I'm equally certain they got no tumbler. 425-250-CAM Chancellor, KJ Wright, 31 50. Remember, they'll set the payoff schedule to the amount of months you're already into your loan so you don't lose any time on the payoff. You just save money. Call them now and let me know. The Kirkland Office of Guild Mortgage, the 2007 J.D. Power, number one lender in customer satisfaction. Unfiltered. Valuable for three. Count it. And a foul from three-point land. 
four threes in the game. There's Stiebel with the steal and the record, the most in the history of the Pac-12, and he gets the exclamation point on the other end. Stiebel passes the glove, Gary Payton, for the most steals ever in the conference. With the 20th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Boston Celtics select Matisse Thibault from the University of Washington. What does it mean to walk across that stage in honor of her? I wish she was here to see it. What is it about her life that inspires you going forward that will continue to inspire you in the league? The way she fought for everything. Like, even until the end when she was getting sick, like, she never let anything stop her from doing what she wanted to do. Well, here he is on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline from swimming in Australia to Sammamish and Skyline High School, Eastside Catholic to the UW, and now a first-round NBA draft choice for the Philadelphia 76ers, Matisse Thibel. What a week, Matisse. How does it feel? It's been crazy. I mean, yeah, you said what a week. I, I, I still haven't even like been able to process a lot of it because it went by so fast. Have you been in Philly and met with the organization yet, or do you have to wait until the league year starts and the trade is finalized? No, so I, um, the day after the draft, we drove, we drove from New York to Philly, and then I got to meet. I got to check out the practice facility, met, uh, met coach, met the GM, met, met a lot of the staff, and uh, yeah, got to get a good feel for what the facility is like, what my locker room is going to be like. So it was pretty cool. What they say, share with us. What, how excited are they, are they over Matisse Thibel in Philly? They're excited. Um, I mean, I've talked to Coach Brown a lot, and he, he wants me to be able to step in and have a contributing role at the bat. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty lucky to be in that situation because I know a lot of guys have did that. And I mean, I'm just excited to keep working and step in and be able to help as much as I can. Has, uh, has Embiid reached out yet? Have you spoken to Joel Embiid? No, I haven't spoken to many of the players yet. I, uh, ben reached out, and I've talked to him a little bit, but yeah, that's about it. Him uh, and TJ. All right. Matisse Thibel on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. So the the journey has had its bumps, obviously, both on the floor and off the floor, as has been well told, and we all have those bumps. Can you remember, Matisse, the first time when you actually felt like, oh, my God, this is possible. I could play professional basketball. I could play in the NBA. Did that happen early in life, or did it have to wait for a while until you got to the UW and you started having some sort of success? I'd say if it did happen, it happened late, like towards the end of my career at UW. But, I mean, I never really – I think I looked at it a little bit differently than most people. My thing was never like like a light – have a light foot on, and I was like, okay, yeah, I could play in the league. It was more so like I was just like going to do what – Ever I needed to do to just continue to be better and just kind of keeping your head down and working through that and then coming what June 20th I got a chance to shake my head up out of the water and look around and see that I actually had done enough to make it and so what would you have done if basketball wasn't for you wasn't a possibility you know as a as a professional to make a living professionally playing basketball what would Matisse Thibel have done with his life that's a good question because I mean, I never, I never imagined a life without basketball. So it, it, it's hard for me to say. But I like, I like photography. Photography is something I'm pretty passionate about, and I feel like traveling is important and being able to see the world and experience different cultures. So I think if I could have figured out how to make something happen with that, uh, that would have been exciting for me. You chose not to go, I guess, to the combines or to some of the pre-workouts of the draft, and the speculation was. <laughs> that you and your team 
kind of knew, here's where I'm going. I'm going in the top 20 or 25 picks. I know that there are certain teams that are very, very excited about me. I don't need to go to those to those workouts. Talk more about that decision, Matisse. Yeah, I had a I had a unique situation, and I was pretty lucky that I didn't I didn't have to go work out for a lot of teams. And like you said, I didn't. The combine wasn't something I needed to go to. And I mean, sitting down with my agent and my uh, my dad, we just kind of weighed our options, and we felt that we'd built strong enough relationships with these teams that we were talking to, especially with the with the Sixers, and we didn't feel like it was necessary for me to go through all of that to kind of be seen and, and make my case for the kind of player I am. And, I mean, it, it turned out in our favor. But it took a lot of trust, right? You had to trust teams like the 76ers that they weren't telling you just something that you wanted to hear, that they were being legit with you. Yeah, it took a lot of trust, and like, like through the whole process, it was it was about building that trust and like getting to to grow within um, the relationship we were, we were having. And then towards the end, we just felt on the, on both sides that there was enough trust to to go through with it. Matisse Thibel is our guest for just a few moments longer. Matisse, even the the University of Washington experience had its bumps. You went to the UW primarily because of one man, Lorenzo Romar, and then halfway through, he's no longer there, and you're forced to make a decision. Talk about that stretch of time where you had to decide whether you're going to stay at the UW or you're going to go somewhere else. It was tough. There was a good two-week stretch where I was just literally in limbo. Like, we had no coach, and we had no idea who the new coach would be. And it was really hard for me to kind of come to terms with the fact that there could be a chance that I left and went somewhere else and started exploring new options or also that I might just have to stick it out and just see see what they come up with and just try to that whoever that was to say to have my best interest in, and be able to do what was best for the team. Like I said, I, I, I don't wish that on anyone. It's a really, really hard situation to be in just not knowing where where your future lies and whose hands it lies in. And it came to the end where we just felt like we could trust we could trust UW, we could trust our athletic director, Jen Cohen, that she was going to make the right hire. And and with that trust, we ended up with a great coach. Yeah. And Coach Hopkins, and I think the rest is history. Yeah, and all of a sudden you're playing a zone, exclusively a zone. That must have been a tough adjustment. Yeah, that was weird. Um, I'd never played, like, exclusively zone. I'd always played on teams where zone was kind of like when you didn't have good enough or athletic enough players to play real defense, you just kind of threw a zone out there to try and muck it up. But it was a learning process to get used to it and just get a feel for the zone. But, I mean, once once we all got it and bought in, it, it was fun. <laughs> we were able to make some things happen. And so here's a fascinating question. Had you not stayed at Washington, where would you have gone, Matisse? That's, I mean, that's a great question. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to explore other options enough to actually go out and seriously consider other places. I, I, we, the conclusion we came to was that we were just going to wait to see what they came up with. And if it wasn't something that we felt was going to be best for me, then we'd start looking elsewhere. But we didn't feel like we had to go look anywhere else. Uh, last two questions. How sick and tired is Matisse Thibel of hearing he's a great player, he's a great defensive player, but dot, dot, dot. How tired are you hearing that? I mean, it, it, it's like anything else. It's just opinion. Um, I know, my trainers know, my teammates know what I can do offensively. And, I mean, as much as I hang my hat on defense and take pride in what I can do on that end, 
it's 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 not the only thing I bring to the table. And I feel like for me, as long as I know that, it, anyone can say whatever they want. And so when you go to improve your outside shot, and you'll be working on it all summer as you have in the previous summers, is it is it all about, for those of us that have kids that play basketball, is it all about just shooting a million shots every day? Or is it more about mechanics? Or is it a combination of both, Matisse? Yeah, the time will work for you. If you find, I feel like I have a shot that's moved over my college career that was pretty consistent. So... I, didn't, I don't feel like there's much I need to change with that. So for me, it's just reps. And it's just game speed reps with a good pace and being locked in. And for me, just doing that every day is, is what I need to do. And like I said, the, the, the formula is different for everyone because you know, no two players are exactly the same. Have you spoken to Jalen? How excited is Jalen Noel to be a member of the T-Wolves organization? And part B of that question is how excited are you as an NBA player now, to watch what happens at Washington with all these great recruits, the McDaniels and the Stewarts of the world, and all the exciting times that are still yet to come for Washington. Jalen's excited. I mean, like, how could you not be excited? We, we two kids who just got, who just made their lifelong dreams become a reality. So he, he he's super excited, just as I am. And yeah, for both of us, and all, and honestly, all the seniors that we're leaving this year too, just being able, knowing that we spent a good foundation for these guys and for the coaches and that they've been able to bring in so much talent. It's it's exciting and make us proud to be Huskies and and we really just can't wait to see what, what comes in the next few years. Well, Matisse, I want you to know that you don't just have a community behind you. You have a region behind you. There is no one in the Northwest, no matter whom you cheer for, there's no one in the Northwest that doesn't love the Matisse Thibel story, doesn't li- love the Matisse Thibel family, and we are, I want you to go to Philadelphia knowing you've got the Pacific Northwest cheering for you every step of the way and appreciative of all that you've done locally from high school to college here in the Northwest. Thanks so much for everything, and congratulations. It couldn't have happened to a better guy. Thank you. That, that means the world to me. Thank you. And there he is. Mike Hopkins came on our show and called him the boogeyman, the best defensive player in the nation, the 20th overall pick, the new Philadelphia 76er, Matisse Thibel. Wonder where he would have gone had he transferred. Maybe the weasel? In less than a month, I'm heading to Pebble Beach with a listener and his or her guests to stay at the Lodge, play Pebble, play Spyglass, two of the greatest golf courses in the world. Why? Because of Tyler Hay and his Evergreen Golf Call team's enormous support of Mitch Unfiltered. When I auctioned off rounds of golf with me at Aldera at the Daniels dinner the other night to support the YMCA of Seattle, Tyler Hay raised his hand and offered to pay all the greens fees and all the expenses so that more money goes to the charity. Yeah, I can talk about what makes Evergreen Golf called the premier wealth manager in the Northwest, and I can drop in awards and acclaim, which I'll do from time to time. But do you really need to know any more? Do you need to know any more than every Bellevue Boys and Girls Club basketball jersey during the winter had Evergreen's name proudly displayed? It's companies like Evergreen Golf Call that make the Pacific Northwest one of the best places on earth to live and raise a family. Evergreen Golf Call, evergreengolfcall.com, the Evergreen Exchange Podcast, the premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Center field, DeMarco. There to make the catch. Anchored down, Vanderbilt on top of the college baseball world again. 
Well, the Vanderbilt Commodores are at the top of the college baseball world, winning the College World Series. And it's time for a little local guy makes good. This is the epitome of a local guy makes good story. Joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline is the heartbeat of that Vanderbilt team, senior shortstop Ethan Paul out of Bellevue, Washington, Newport High School, baseball star, international school, right? Ethan, congratulations. Correct. Yep, that's correct. Thank you for having me on. What's it been like the last couple of days? Oh, it's been it's been a little bit surreal. You know, we've been able to to be back here in Nashville as a team, and we got to see some of the fans stop by the field, um, and they 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 celebrated us, and we got to be with them, sign a little autograph. So it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. And so the connection back to Bellevue still strong. I know that you have a four two five number. You're not going to forget us back here now that you're a big star, right? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I I got friends and family all over Bellevue and Seattle area. Um, that means a lot to me. It was where I was born and raised. So no, I definitely, I definitely will always remember that area. I want to talk about that being born and raised here in the Pacific Northwest. But before I do that, how about just the the challenges that Michigan threw at you, took game one from you, and forced you into the backs against the wall. It seems like when you guys had your backs against the wall late in the year this year and in the tournament, that's when you guys played your best. Yeah, a little bit. I think when you play through the, the SEC conference. And you uh, are able to to get through that conference and play well. It, it, it may, helps you uh, get you experience for the postseason in Omaha and stuff like that. So um, being against being your back against the wall and you know having that those two games we got to win to come back to win it all. Um, I think it's just a testament to what we went through earlier in the year and being ready for that moment. All right, I want to know the whole story. I want to know little league story. I know the Newport story because my son is a junior senior to be at Newport. I know the international story. Where did you play little league? Did you grow up a Mariners uh-huh. fan? Who, who was your guy? I think I read that Robinson Cano was one of your guys. Tell, <laughs> tell us the whole yeah. Ethan. Tell us the EP story, the Ethan Paul story. Yeah. So I was, uh, Born in Bellevue, Washington, in the Somerset neighborhood. I went to Somerset Elementary School. Uh, and then International School is a 6 through 12 public high school that I went to. And that was uh, a small school, but they didn't have sports there. So uh, I played high school sports at Newport High School, which is kind of how it works. International is you play your your high school. If you play high school sport, you play at the the high school that you're, you know, you reside in or you live in. So given that I was from Somerset, Newport was the school I played for. And so I kind of had a unique high school, middle school experience. I had kind of two different uh, friend groups, one being from my athletic side and guys that yeah. went to Newport and, and um, that area. And then I had my, my school friends that I attended class with. So um, that was a, a unique a unique part of my life. Um, I played for Thunderbirds Little League. Yeah. I think I, I honestly can't remember what age I stopped, but I, I played, you know, for a few years I played, um, played there, did a uh, little league all-star deal, which was super fun. My, I had, you know, my dad coached one of the teams. I had really close friends, dad's coach. So it's kind of the, the beginnings there. And then uh, I played, for a travel ball team in the area called Boys of Summer, yep. which is still a, a, an organization here or there in Bellevue. And that was led by Kevin Tyson, who's still a longtime friend and mentor to me. So that was where I played travel ball and then, you know, went on off to, to Vanderbilt to play here. So um, I played a lot of baseball in the Northwest area 
made a lot of friends, you know, playing sports there and you know, I'll always be grateful for my experiences there in Seattle. Ethan, you must have said no to the U-Dub. A lot of people in our audience are gritting their teeth. Did you say no to the U-Dub? You can't say no. No, you can't be a Bellevue, Thunderbird, Little League, Newport High School guy and say no to the U-Dub, EP? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was nothing against that program. It's a great program, and it's um, – I know they just built – I think it was a few years ago, they just built a brand-new stadium, beautiful stadium, and um, it was more so I just wanted to get out of the Northwest area and play, play ball in another part of the country. So um, I was fortunate that – that coach Corbin and the Vanderbilt staff liked me out of high school. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just kind of matched what I was looking for. I was looking for kind of a, an academic institution as well, as well as a, you know, a good baseball program. So it was a perfect fit for me. And so the four years have been awesome, right? A 3.92, I should point out 3.92 GPA. This is a great student, a great kid, obviously a terrific baseball player on the Zeke's pizza hotline from Vanderbilt winner of the college World Series. Talk to me about your junior season because we talk mm-hmm. on this show all, all all the time about adversity and bumps in the road. There's bumps in every journey. You didn't have your best junior year, the junior year that you would have liked to have had. You weren't drafted as highly sure. in the draft as you thought maybe you would have been after your junior year and maybe not come back for your senior year. But you had to look yourself in the mirror, make some hard decisions and, you know, get through it. Talk to us a little bit about that, Ethan. Yeah, that was a that was a good experience for me. You know, anyone that plays college baseball has dreams of playing professional. I think you can say, and uh, being here at Vanderbilt and having kind of the the pipeline, some would say, for yep. for professional baseball. Yep. Everyone has that expectation that you know you're going to play three years, play well, and get drafted and sign. Um, but you know that's just the reality of life that things don't always chalk up the way you expect them to, and. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have changed it, you know, at all. I think it's, it, some people might think it's easy to say that now after a college world series championship, but even if we hadn't have won, you know, I coming back for a senior year, wasn't my, the main goal wasn't, you know, just to win a college world series. I wanted to, wanted to receive my degree and, and finish on a strong note and just spend more time with this team because this team means so much to me. But, you know, um, thinking back to that junior year, it's baseball. You know, people have good seasons, people have bad seasons. And, you know, that just, that season didn't work out for me. And I was able to look in the mirror and find some, some weaknesses I needed to correct and make those corrections and finish on a high note here at Vanderbilt. And boy, did you ever hit over 300 with some power, drove in a lot of runs, was the team leader, took him to a college world series, drafted, I believe in the ninth round by the pirates. Mm -hmm. So everything changed for you before we get off of this topic and move to the next were you forced, Ethan, to consider more life after baseball when you come out of a bad junior season, or did it did it not push you in that direction? Did you have you always thought about life after baseball? I mean, you're a great student, and I see mm-hmm. that you you've got aspirations beyond baseball. I'm sure. What sure. was what was your mindset going into your senior year? You know, I wasn't really focused on what I would do after baseball up to that this point. I I knew that getting a degree from Vanderbilt and finishing college and um, doing that, having that under my belt would set me up for any sort of career I'd want to pursue. Um, but really I've, my, my love for the game and my passion for, for baseball hasn't, hasn't changed even after that junior year. So I was always focused on uh, making a career out of the game. And if God willing, I was healthy and I was able to be given an opportunity to do that. I was going to pursue that. So um 
I think having that season and going through that struggle didn't deter me from wanting to, to make a career out of it. And I knew I had the confidence in myself and I knew who I was as a player that I was good enough to play at the next level. So I was going to, I was going to continue to pursue that. And you know what else it didn't deter? It didn't deter the pirates who drafted you out of your junior season and turned mm-hmm. around and drafted you after your senior season. And so you you are going to be part of an organization that has shown very, very clearly, we want EP. We want Ethan yeah. Paul. Now, I understand your old shortstop teammate is in their organization. Are we, are we thinking – are we thinking middle infield someday of the Pittsburgh Pirates? You and your uh, your former Vanderbilt teammate? Yeah, that would be that would be uh, that'd be really fun. He was Connor Kaiser. Is his name. He's uh, he's my grade. He was drafted as a junior by the Pirates, and he played shortstop, and I played second base here. So, uh, you know, one of my best friends. I'll be attending his wedding here in the fall. So, I mean, I can't say enough good things about him, and it'll be cool. I don't think I'll I don't think I'll start with him uh, this summer just because he's. A, a level yep. up above me, but yep. Yep. you know, I I definitely could see us playing again up the middle, and that would be that would be really cool. Who gets shortstop and who gets second base? Do we have to? Do you want me to break the news to him <laughs> that he's got to shift back to second base because now now it's, it's no. all about EP. It's short now, right? No, no, uh, <laughs> I, I think I'm going to move over. He's he's a pretty darn good shortstop, so I'll I'll, uh, I'll gladly move over to second base. This is the voice of Ethan Paul out of Bellevue. Went to Newport. Well, actually, went to the international school. Played his uh, high school ball. Uh, was a star at Newport High School for Brad Files, and now is a Vanderbilt University uh, World Series, College World Series champion. I, I don't know, uh, Ethan, that all of our audience is aware of the story of your teammate Donnie Everett, and I don't mean to bring this down, but I, I do want to discuss him. He tragically passed away in a drowning incident three years ago. He would have been a senior on this team. I was incredibly touched with the way you guys involved his parents all the way through this magical run and then in your celebration at the College World Series. Talk about what his memory has meant to you, the team, and having his parents along for the ride, how special that was. Oh, it was it was amazing. You know, being here at Vanderbilt, it's you wanna win and you wanna be successful, but you know, it's not all about it's not all about the championships and the winning seasons and stuff like that. And um I, and having Donnie and knowing Donnie only for a year, his character and just his personality was unforgettable. He was someone that was so positive and, you know, he, he never complained and just really, really talented pitcher too. You know, he was, he had a bright future. And so obviously that was, that was a big devastation for us. And a lot of the guys on the team had never dealt with anything that significant in their life. So, um, it was a big, big learning moment for guys, including myself, and just being able to see Teddy and Susan, Donnie's parents up there on the podium when we won, having Coach Corbin walk up with Teddy was, you know, that was probably my most memorable, most memorable piece of that whole experience is being able to share that with him because those two mean so much to the team and mean so much to this senior class because they're the closest thing we have to Donnie. Ethan, do you think the weight of your teammates' death was a factor in – your teams falling short of the college world series either in the year after or the, the years after his passing? I don't know. I don't know if, you know, as a team, I, I don't know if I can answer that for everybody. I think, uh, you know, it's definitely something that everyone will never forget. Um, it's it, 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 as you play and as you're out there on the field and you think about the different guys that you've played with, you always remember the ones that have played and the ones that have moved on and, you know, Donnie's right there in that 
in that discussion and in those thoughts, you know, just, you know, because he passed away and because how talented he was, you knew he was going to be on the field a lot and he was going to be out there with us. So, you know, I don't know if it really, if it really affected us in the years after that, it was more so trying to just remember him in a positive light and remember him for who, you know, the great personality was and the really talented pitcher. So we just tried to, to honor him every time we played. All right. So what's the next few weeks, the next month, what happens next in the world of Ethan Paul? Tell us. Well, I'm just wrapping things up here on campus. I'm back at, at Vanderbilt and we have our, our team meeting here, our final team meeting as a group and coach Corbin will talk to us and then, We'll uh, meet individually with Coach Corbin, and he'll he'll wrap up the season and and talk to each guy. Everyone has a different conversation, but you know they're all positive and they're all they're all pushed in the right in the right direction. So, and then after that, I'll I'll be in touch with the Pirates and um, hopefully be starting my pro career soon. So they'll be able to they'll be able to fly me out to Pittsburgh and I'll sign my contract with them and then report to my my affiliate my organization that I'll be playing with. For professional ball, so I'm excited. Well, I'm excited for you. I know everybody here is excited for you. As I mentioned, I have one son who's going to be a senior at Newport. I got another son who's on the way to Newport in a year or so. Mm-hmm. I've heard all about the Ethan Paul story, the the legend of Ethan Paul on that baseball field at Newport High School. And visiting with you for the first time here on this little podcast, I'm incredibly impressed. You're a very, very easy guy to root for, and just know that. While you make uh, make your success in in the professional baseball ranks and then ultimately in the major leagues, just remember you've got all of Bellevue, Seattle, and the Northwest behind you. Don't forget about us. All right, keep that four keep that four two five number. All right, EP. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Mitch. I appreciate you having me on. There he is, Bellevue, born and raised, College World Series champion at Vandy, top notch achiever in the classroom, and now the start of a career in professional baseball. EP. Ethan Paul. And when I say EP is on the Zeke's Pizza hotline, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. And honestly, I do interviews with Matisse Theibel, who grew up on the Issaquah Plateau, and Ethan Paul, Somerset, because of their unique connection to the Northwest, like Zeke's Pizza. Northwest-style pizza with a West Coast sourdough bite, toppings full throttle on flavor, creative and different without ever losing respect for the classics. The attention to detail is noticeable. Zeke's dough is made every morning in its kitchen on Finney Ridge, delivered fresh daily to each of its soon-to-be 17 locations. Every pizza is hand-tossed when you order it. All of Zeke's herbs and produce are locally sourced whenever possible and are always hand-chopped on-site to emphasize their fresh, natural flavors. Join me this fall at various Zeke's locations to watch the Seahawks and the Huskies. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Some pretty big news in the world of gambling, in the world of sports gambling over the last, I don't know, week or 10 days. Joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline is a guy that I read all the time. He does a phenomenal job on ESPN.com covering the gambling industry. David Purdom is on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. David, thanks for being with us on Mitch Unfiltered. History was made in the month of May. More sports gambling money wagered in Jersey 
than Nevada. I ask you, how is that humanly possible? <laughs> it happened pretty quickly, for sure. It happened a lot sooner than I thought of. This is just a year after uh, the Supreme Court struck down uh, the federal statute that had kind of restricted state-sponsored sports betting to Nevada for so long. And so for New Jersey to jump up there and catch up with Nevada that quickly, it was a little sooner than I expected. Now, uh, the numbers that they track, New Jersey tracks their revenue numbers a little differently than Nevada does. Uh, Any bets that are made on futures, like odds to win the Super Bowl in May, are counted, whereas Nevada only does the bets that are uh, cash during that month, basically. So uh, there's a little difference there. But uh, the story is the same, that New Jersey has caught up to Nevada quickly. I don't know how it's possible. $319 according to your piece 319 million uh, wagered on sports in the month of may in new jersey 317 million in the month of may for vegas is this a good month for vegas with the nba the nhl the major league baseball wagering but no football was it a a solid month or was it a down month for vegas uh, may is typically not one of their highest in terms of handles um, it is better than June and uh, July when are their slowest, but May is not one of their highest always. However, the, the $316 million figure that you, you just quoted being bet is an all-time high for May for Las Vegas. So oh. while New Jersey may have caught up, uh, Nevada surely isn't, isn't feeling any ill effects to this point. So $3 billion in the first year since, uh, since the law was changed. Is that online? Is a big bulk of that online wagering, or are that is that people coming to the counters the old-fashioned way, like we do in Vegas? Well, it's predominantly online. Eighty uh, percent of all the money that was wagered, that three billion dollars, was placed online in New Jersey over this last year. So, uh, online wagering is, is the biggest factor. All right. So, tons of revenue, enormous state tax money is being raised presumably being good to put to good use in these states. How about any negatives, David? Has anyone done any research on a story uh, or a story on gambling addiction rates or the dark side of the new enterprise in all these states? Yes, uh, we've spoken with the New Jersey Council on Problem Gambling. Um, they did see an increase in calls uh, from people to their hotline that identified sports betting as the issue they were having with. Now, it was an extreme uh, increase, and the numbers of overall calls are really, really low in the teens, and it, I think it bumped up to into the 20s. Uh, so it, it was an increase, but the numbers remain pretty low. It's something to watch, though, because uh, you, when other jurisdictions have legalized sports betting, I always use Australia as an example. Uh, they did so in around 2,000 legalized sports betting, and they did see a spike uh, in problem gambling and people saying sports betting. So it's definitely something to be careful about and watch. Yeah. What is typically the profit margin? This is the voice of David Purdom, who's the ESPN.com gambling uh, writer. Uh, The typical profit margin of these states, when you say that $316 million is being wagered on sports Mm -hmm. in a month, are we talking about 3%? I'm assuming that these these states never lose money. There's not a losing month unless there's a catastrophic Super Bowl uh, wagering in a given year, right? They always win. Yeah, you 
You're spot on there. The hold percentage, what they call the amount that the books win, the net win off sports betting, ranges from about 5 to 7%. Uh, usually Nevada, since 1989, has been 5.65%. Uh, so it's a very small margin. And Nevada has not suffered a losing month statewide since July of 2013. Once your handle uh, gets up large enough, that uh, 11 to 10 big, the juice that the bookmakers take, uh, is really hard to to overcome for betters. Um, we just haven't seen it in a long, long time. And frankly, I, I don't think we'll ever see it again once your handle gets to this point. David, you mentioned that this was a record handle for the month of May in Nevada. Since all these other states have joined the party, is that surprising? Were officials in Nevada concerned, I'm assuming they were, that once, once we had all these other states slowly but surely joining the gambling crusade, that their take was going to be smaller? How do you explain that, that betting was actually on the rise in Nevada over this time? Yeah, it was definitely a concern, and it still is. I mean, we only have, uh, I think, the current number of states operating outside of Nevada with legal sports books is seven. Um, so we don't have a lot. Now, many have legalized sports betting this year, and we'll be getting moving forward quickly. I think the biggest toll we'll see taken on Nevada is if California gets there. And California just yesterday introduced sports betting legislation that aims to get it onto the voter ballot in the fall of 2020. They do on a, a two-year cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, if California gets legal sports betting, I, I would say that we'll see some – significant decrease or at least a a noticeable decrease in Nevada sports betting. But for now, Nevada remains a destination event. Uh, People go there for the Super Bowl. They go for there for the NCAA tournament. Um, That is going to remain that way for any time being. In addition, we got the Las Vegas Raiders coming in pretty soon. So uh, Las Vegas is always going to have a a huge, uh, huge following for sports betting. When you talk about California joining the fray, we're talking about sports books. David, I want to understand this. Are people in California right now betting online, hand over fist, or are they not betting online at all in California? Uh, not betting online legally. Uh, okay. They are, you know, there are all kinds of offshore sports books um, that are not regulated in the U.S. and local bookmakers who use uh, sites in in for state, uh, places like Costa Rica. Um, to run their operations, and that's how America has been betting for all. You know, I, I think if you look at that New Jersey number, how in the world did $3 billion get bet in the first year? Well, it, it wasn't because these were all new bettors suddenly deciding to do this. People have been betting on sports for a long time. They're certainly betting in California right now. They're just not doing it with a, a licensed operator in the U.S. I see. So you're saying that $3 billion in New Jersey is – is a whole a whole bunch of people that were betting all these years with offshore accounts illegally now because it's legal in the state of New Jersey they've shifted where they're where they're making the wagers they're making the wagers online with New Jersey establishments correct correctly okay. absolutely correct okay Washington state we're up here in Seattle and we've always been told and I'm and I like to place a wager every once in a while I don't follow it as closely as everybody else Washington state way behind the times 
when it comes to gambling. Is that correct? Yeah, you guys are. I believe there was talk of a bill being introduced in Washington State. I would have to look that up uh, to make sure. But, um, you know, Washington State is one of the um, uh, states that was initially um, believed that it uh, had a kind of an exemption from the federal statute. There was some language in, I believe, the state constitution uh, that you could make a case that um, exempted them from the federal statute that had prevented sports betting. Uh, So, you know, it might not take too much doing to get up and running in Washington State. But as far as I know, not right right now, there hasn't been much movement. All right, final question for David Purdom. Nice enough to join us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline covering the gambling industry for ESPN.com. you got to read his, his work on ESPN.com. Let me ask you, David, as you finish, to close your eyes and think of three or five years from now. What will sports gambling look like in the United States? Will it be legal everywhere? Will we be going to games and wagering at stadiums? Will will we be sitting in our seats and gambling on the game on our phone, the the game that we're attending? What what in your mind is this going to look like in about three years? I'm going to say more than 30 states will have some form of legal sports betting. The bulk of them will have an online option. Uh, to place your wagers. And I do think that we're going to see some sports book venues inside professional stadiums. Um, recently, the Cubs uh, have been considering it, according to some people that I've visited with, uh, putting an actual sports book in Wrigley Field or, uh, you know, a, a betting kiosk. Now, is that much different than what's going on in three years ago? Probably not. Uh, I live here outside of Atlanta. I uh, covered many Falcons games and uh, may have been placed a wager on my phone then. And I know many other people have as well. So, again, the just because things have uh, become legalized, I don't know how much things will actually change. And if I would spin this forward just another five years to ten years down the road, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some sort of federal nationwide, you know, regulated by the uh, SEC or somebody that's kind of a sports stock exchange. Um, I, I could see that becoming part of the future in a way. What's the disaster that could happen between now and then or now and five years from now to change the view? A big point shaving incident, some sort of Simpson, a gambling corruption that affects major professional franchises? Yes, I, I, that, that would be what I would say to you. Some sort of gambling scandal. And not that the actual um, aftermath of the scandal uh, would be that detrimental. I mean, we look back at Tim Donahue, the NBA official uh, who got involved in some some gambling. And, you know, that was 10 years ago. And the NBA, of course, is completely recovered and is doing just fine. But I do worry if it were to happen now that people would get up in arms and erroneously blame the legalization of sports betting. Anytime you have a market the size that we're talking, we're talking hundreds of billions of dollars are wagered throughout the U.S. on an annual basis. Anytime you have that kind of market with that kind of money, look no further than Wall Street, you're going to have people trying to circumvent and, you know, push the limits and uh, scan the game in a a way. So it's going to happen probably. You know, it would have happened whether we legalized it or not. There's too much money involved. We just need to be able to react to it. Um, you know, with some perspective, uh, keep in mind, learn what we can to try to prevent it happening again. Mm. There are a lot of people that believe that it would be less likely once we take gambling out of the shadows, out of the darkness, out of the alleys, and we mm-hmm. uh, we regulate it the way we are, that maybe those types of scandals would be uh, not as prevalent, not as likely as 
they have been all these years where where gambling was left in the closet. You can put yeah, you can put me in that camp for sure. I mean, if I was to try to fix a a game and I wanted to wager on it, I'm certainly not going to go place my wagers at a regulated sports book and give them my identification and fill out tax forms. I'm going to gravitate to the underground market where there isn't those requirements. You can bet pretty much anonymously. Uh, and that's where I would want to place my wagers if I were to try to fix a game. Certainly not uh, with a regulated book. So I, I agree with those people that believe the incentive uh, has actually decreased by legalizing sports betting. David, I've really enjoyed the work over the years. I, I read it consistently. I wouldn't miss it. ESPN.com's uh, coverage of sports wagering and gambling in particular. David Purdom, who's done a fabulous job in this arena. Thank you, David. Thanks for all your work, and thanks for the uh, the time on Mitch Unfiltered. We appreciate it. Thank you, Mitch. I appreciate it. David Purdom, ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com, the world of sports gambling. More money wagered in New Jersey than Nevada in the month of May. When would you think you'd ever hear that? When you match world-class quality with convenience, you have an unbeatable combination. Work or live downtown? The brand-new Downtown Daniels at the Higher Regency is the perfect place for business meetings or special occasion events. Daniels Downtown Private Dining Room, seat 88, for sit-down dinners and considerably more for casual events. What do you get at Daniels Downtown Private Dining Room? World-class quality, baby. Complete control of your budget and no room charge. Have a business or client meeting when you need to impress Daniel's Broiler has long been the choice for corporate Seattle. Special occasions like birthdays, anniversaries, special family events. Daniel's has a long history of making those events special too. If you live or work downtown, Daniel's private dining room is the perfect blend of world-class quality and convenience. Take advantage. Downtown Daniel's Broiler at the new Hyatt Regency, a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. Episode 46 continues, and look what the cat dragged in. The man, the myth, the legend, the mouth. He is movie mogul Max with your fourth your fourth visit to Mitch Unfiltered. Is that right? Indeed it is. Now, we've got to get to a number of different things. Mm-hmm. We've got three movies that you're going to either recommend or not recommend to the listening audience because you are if, movie if mogul Max. If you can find them in theaters. They're, or they're, on video. They'll come out on of video, Of course right? they will, yeah. Um, before we get to any of it, the last time you were on the show... Oh, I know where this is going. You, you. We explained to the listening audience that you at age 17, on your 17th birthday... Got a Rolling Stop ticket. Got your first ticket, driving uh, ticket, but it wasn't... You weren't pulled over by the police. No, it was, it was, a, it was a red light camera. I was I committed a rolling stop. And you a can, rolling stop. Now, now, I did write a mitigation letter throwing my brother under the bus for having to use the bathroom. <laughs> but, you know, details are details. The good news is, though... No, hold on a second. You wrote a letter. We had three choices. Pay it, mitigate it, or fight it. Yes. You chose the middle one, mitigate it. Yes. And you, when you say you threw your brother under the bus, you explained to the judge he had that your to brother use had the to bathroom. go to the bathroom. The rolling stop was not your fault. Come on. He had it to use the brother. bathroom. Huh? This is what I've been living with for now, I guess not 17 years, I guess 14 years, 13 years. It's not my fault. It's my brother's fault. But it worked. 
to some degree, right? $50 off. We got it from $125 to $75. Okay. That's what I call a deal. My brother, We got it. You got it. I got it. My brother's bathroom (laughs) trip saved me $50. And who paid for this ticket? Uh, Me. Okay. I'll pay for it before August. So we went from $125 to $75. Indeed, we did. All right. Okay. So we've gotten that. We can check that off the list. Let's go to the first movie. First movie. We're going to talk about Shaft, starring yes. Richard Roundtree, Samuel L. Jackson, and Jesse Usher. Now, this is the second or third. Third, third in the, the Shaft The first series. one starred Richard Roundtree in, I believe, the 70s. Oh. And then he was introduced as the father to Samuel L. Jackson's character in the 2000 movie. Yeah. And Samuel L. Jackson is introduced as the father with Richard Roundtree as the grandfather. Okay, but this is kind of the you second You get the idea. One. It's really... It's this more, was a TV show, right? This was a famous TV so. show. Yeah, Shaft. Before my time, but... Yeah. Well, but, everything uh, is before your yeah, time. Yeah, but... Last Tuesday hilarious. was before it your was, time. It was hilarious. It was a funnier... It was, it was not Mission Impossible. That would be... It was kind of more fast and furious, kind of high-paced action, driving. Samuel L. Jackson is excellent in the movie. If you can't get to the theater and see it, which is probably more likely than not, pick it up, rent it. I loved it. I haven't even seen the first two or the TV show, and I love this movie. It it made me crack up. It was Okay, but you loved it at age 17. Yes. Let's talk to people that are mine. I think you would love the dynamic between the main actor, who is Jesse Usher, and Samuel L. Jackson. Really? The dynamic is hilarious. He's a father who hasn't been, spent a lot of time with his son because of his high-paced criminal antics life of the party. He's got a divorce. He's hanging out with all sorts of women. He's 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 acting like he's his son's age. So the relationship is is, is comical yeah. with Samuel L. Jackson, of course. Is it kind of like you're in my relationship? Eh, nothing like you're in my relationship. <laughs> Okay, so a, a major thumbs up. A major, major two thumbs up, yeah. and I'd give it a four out of five. Four Easy. out of five. Okay. So All right. rent it. All right, that's Shaft. Rocket Man. Hold on. Check. Okay. All, right. All right, Rocket Man. Rocket Man was the next movie I saw. I have to be honest with you. If you've seen Bohemian Rhapsody, then you probably will be slightly disappointed by Rocket Man. Okay, I haven't seen either one. I want to point out for the record... That when I started seeing the previews, the trailers of Rocket Man, yeah. I really wanted to go. And your mom went when she was on vacation in DC, and you went on your own. And guess who hasn't uh, um, seen uh, um get which 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 son of yours told you to make sure you see it with mom before she goes to DC because she wants to see it and so do you. Yeah. That was me. Guess who didn't see it before she went to DC? You two. So guess who saw it in DC <laughs> without you? Her. As much as I love Elton John and his music, I love the music, and I love the music in the movie. The problem was the plot itself. It seems like the directors for Rocketman saw the success of Bohemian Rhapsody and kind of replicated the emphasis on the drugs and the homosexuality with Elton John and said, why don't we just do it again? It felt well, like you know it, that that's not true. Elton John is his own. Of course, man. of course they're, they're he is. Of the course, story he is. of Elton. But John. I feel like they focused on the same plot points. Elton John's troubles with drugs and alcohol and money, okay. and trying to find someone he really loves. Right. In the movie, and it felt like it was just kind of like, okay, this worked with this movie. We've Let's try to focus it again. And they tried to make. They tried to not. Not that Elton John is Freddie Mercury. They just tried to make the movie kind of like Bohemian Rhapsody, hoping that it would have the huge success that Bohemian... But, but this was in the makings way before of they course. saw Bohemian Rhapsody. Maybe it was just the timing. Okay. That it came less than a year, less than half, a, I think half a year after Bohemian Rhapsody, and it right. felt like the same movie. So okay. the, I will say... Now, let me ask it to you this way. If you hadn't seen Bohemian Rhapsody, 
Would you have liked the Elton John Maybe. movie more? I because think so. I haven't seen Bohemian. I Rhapsody. think so. Did you, you? And people should know in our audience. This is one of the things I love so much about you. You, you are kind of an old soul when it comes to music. When you pop the music on Alexa or you you put the music on from your phone, you're listening to it music be, that I listen. It could to be as a anything. Kid. As I like to say to my friends or family, you could hear Drake one song and then Elton John the next song and then Bruce Springsteen the next. song. I love the, your, that you like the old mu- older music. You like Billy Joel. You like Elton. Of course. So you love. So. Would you give a thumbs up to the music? I love the movie? music. It yeah. was fantastic. The way yeah. they did the music was great. The problem was just kind of how it all fit together. Okay. Yeah, I'd give it three stars. Three stars. But too much like Bohemian Rhapsody. For me, yes. Okay. For me to all truly right. enjoy it. Now, okay. Aladdin. Yeah. Which you and, well, Brett didn't really want to see. So you went and saw Toy Story. We'll get to that. <laughs> but Aladdin was fantastic. I would have been fine. Fu- Here's what I've said about Aladdin. I've seen Aladdin, obviously, several times, the cartoon and what have you. I love the music in Aladdin. It's so good. I get a little tired with the story. The story doesn't do much for me, but I love the music. And what I said to you and your mom and your brother was that if everybody was going, I'll go to Aladdin. But your brother, your except little brother, you knew that didn't when, want except to see you it. knew when you said that that Brett didn't want Brett would never see the movie, which was his mistake. You guys lost out. The movie was incredible. Really, I loved so it. So I'll go. Is it better than Shaft? I'd say I'd give it four stars as well. It was it was truly fun, and the music was great. And Will Smith really he was the genie. Okay, wait a second. Is this not a an animated motion? No, picture? this is a live action version of Aladdin. Disney has been making live action versions of their movies recently. So Aladdin, great movie. Rent it if you can. Great CGI effects. Great acting. Four. Four out of five stars. Which brings us to the surprise. Which is the reason why Aladdin is going to be out of one the- of them. Okay. We got the biggest movie of the summer coming out this week. We're going to try to talk no, about no, it no, soon. No, 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 The biggest movie of the oh, because en- Endgame, is not, Endgame is not considered summer. Ah, 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 ah. And that's where things get twisty because guess what was re-released on Friday the twenty eighth. What was re-released on Friday the twenty eighth? The reason we started this segment: Movie Mogul Max, Endgame. Avengers one Endgame. Word. One word. Endgame with one word. That's right. <laughs> with extra sequences, extra scenes at the end of the movie. It's not an extended cut. It's a pitiful push to put Endgame at the top of the records because they still haven't beaten Avatar for box office. But they have some stuff at the end, some nice little sequences, stuff like that. Privately to help hype up Spider-Man, which comes out this Tuesday, the big movie of the summer, Spider-Man Far From Home, which I will hopefully talk about soon. Okay, I, I don't know that I understand that. You're saying the movie Endgame was re-released on Friday with something more. Some, some At the very end. What does this have to do with Spider-Man? I'm, I'm confused. Well, it's You've lost same it. movie franchise. They're just bridging the gap. They're kind of getting people back into the Marvel I see. moon. Okay. Movie Mogul Max says to review Aladdin gets four stars. Rocket Man gets three. three stars. And Shaft gets four stars. He wants you to watch Shaft and Aladdin. He doesn't care if you watch Rocket Man, especially if you've already seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Thank you, Max. Thank you, and have a good night. <laughs> So let's finish up on episode 46 with a couple of things. Now, you said that you you cast a vote. There was a Twitter poll on athletes. 
Athletes whose careers were unfortunately cut short. Like an athletes whose how did this start? Was this based on something that happened or no? I didn't start. I saw it on Twitter, and yeah. I, I thought it was pretty interesting though because we do all have all like Bo Jackson's the big one for me. Like if that guy could have played twelve years and oh, uh, Gale Sayers, Hall of Famer, right? Yeah, I there's, mean, there's no a question. there's a ton of guys. Who's, yeah, there was yeah. one that came up that I wanted to ask you about because I feel like I might be missing something. Ken Griffey Jr.'s name came up a bunch. Well, yeah, because explain that to me. Because after he left Seattle and went to Cincinnati, he had a lot of injury problems, and the idea was that he would would have hit a lot more home runs. That that he played through a lot of injuries and sat and was on the injured list and on the disabled list, okay. and, and was just not overall healthy in Cincinnati during a good chunk of the prime of his career. All right, that he makes bro- sense. His body broke down, and instead of hitting 800 home runs. He hit 650, whatever, whatever he did, 600 home runs. So, yeah, but I don't know that his career was cut short. See, I wouldn't think. It's cut short. I think he played 22 seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I wouldn't have put him in that classification. Yeah, but I understand right. why people's. Was this a local thing or was this no, a it was national? national. Who you throw? Did you throw somebody into the mix? I did. Kenny Easley. See, I didn't name 45 after Kenny Easley. There you go. He was great. We talked about him in the last last, uh, episode a lot. Does anyone jump out to you about someone you just wish you could have seen stay healthy their whole career? I don't know. I'm putting you on the spot Well, the Bo Jackson injury, the Bo Jackson injury, I mean, we could have watched him play baseball and football for a lot more years. That's a good point. So that's the first one that, as you point out, really jumps into my mind. I was too young for Gale Sayers, but they all said that Gale Sayers' injury, his knee injuries cost him. Maybe that he might have been the greatest football player of all time had he been able to play. Um, I'd have to think about that. Okay. I'd have to think about athletes whose careers were cut short. I, I would not put Junior in that category just because he still stayed around for the 20-some-odd years that he stayed around. But yeah. I understand that he lost a lot of valuable statistics, if you want to call it that, when he was in Cincinnati and his body was breaking. I must have blocked it out when he left and broke my heart. Are you a soccer guy? I'm not a soccer guy, but you know, when you have kids, you sort of watch whatever they do, and you sort of get into it a little more. So my daughter played a lot. So I'm getting used to it, and I do watch like the World Cup when that's on. I'll keep an eye on the U.S. teams. How about the U.S. Women's World Cup team? That went out and beat France right in their hometown, right right in Paris. I think it was in Paris. It was in France for sure. <laughs> it was in France. We know it was in France. Uh, they go out and they win 2-1, to one and they play England, I think, in the semifinals on Tuesday night with a chance to win the World Cup again and, and, and kind of capture the attention. Are you going to watch the Tuesday night semifinal against England, or will that be something that you you only watch if you're around and you remember to watch it? Will you make it a point to watch it? The U.S. playing England two days before the 4th of July? Yes. Are you kidding me? Of course I'm going to watch that. Yeah, I, I got to watch that. Yeah, I think I got to I didn't watch the Fran- France game, but everybody that I, I went out on Saturday night with some friends and kind of hung out with some friends and everybody was talking about it. And uh-huh. so I feel, I feel like an obligation. I feel like I want to, I hate soccer. I just hate the game. I can't get into the game because I don't understand the game. I don't know the rules of the game. I never played the game. My friends never growing up never played soccer. Nobody that I knew played soccer. You played baseball, basketball, and football. Well, to be and fair, a little it's, golf later. It's one of the simplest games. You try to get the ball in the net. I, I understand That's, that part. I mean, I, I that part is not follow. beyond me. That's not above me. But I don't understand the rest of the, the offsides and the strategy. And, and and so I, I I've gone to Sounders games. I've been guests of people Sounders games, yep. and I've enjoyed the experience. Yeah. But when it comes right down to it, if I'm being honest, the game itself, it's just it just 
goes right over my head. Well, see, I don't, I know nothing about soccer, really. I don't. So they had an offsides call. Did your daughter really... play soccer? She she doesn't. She didn't last year, but she did for like okay. four years. So. Okay. But you got to remember. I mean, for me personally, I'll watch anything that's loser out. Right? It's exciting. I mean, it was two to one. Survivor. And... Do you like Survivor? Loser out. <laughs> what the the, 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 show? the TV show Survivor? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so weird. I watched every episode season one and never went back. And I don't know it's why. It's the whole fantasy football league thing again. Yeah, maybe. You got locked out. Somebody locked I, you out, for, out of your team. I got wrong For 400 somehow. bucks. Yeah. So, so, but it's exciting. It's loser out. It's, it's high stakes. It's not that hard to figure out. They're trying to kick the ball in the goal. And it's the U.S. What kind of a communist are you? They seem not like watch? a very likable group of women. Well, there's people on Twitter who would say otherwise. I did oh, no? see. Well, Hope Solo's not on the team anymore. She was the most dislikable member of She's the team for the years. The one I like the most. Really? <laughs> I'm sure, I love Hope. But but people didn't like Megan Rapinoe standing there and doing like the gladiator pose. And I why saw not? People why say, the hell like, not? Isn't she full of herself? And all? and and they also got in a little bit of trouble for blowing a team out earlier. And yeah, the thirteen to thirteen. Everybody yeah, celebrating, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't follow that. I'm sure they're all very likable, but. They have been criticized a bit. Really? So they're really. It might be a little more like ugly American type stuff, you know, like celebrating too much and all that. She are we talking about when she scored her second goal to give them a two nothing, a commanding two? What is it? Two nil lead. Two nil, yes. Not two nothing. Two Very nil lead. <laughs> and she 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 demonstrate why in the world? I didn't see anything every, wrong with it. Every I mean, do we do we criticize every NFL player for for scoring a touchdown down forty three fourteen and doing a dance and doing a celebration? <laughs> we don't do that. Yeah. Why are we? Why are we criticize? Is it because she's a woman instead of a, are women not supposed to celebrate and not supposed to demonstrate as much as men? I don't get that. I I, I think all the power to her. I'm I'm with you on this. I'm just saying maybe people in, in you know the rest of the world thought it was you know gloating a little bit. I'm with you. That's ya. what people do when they score goals, don't they? I'm with you. I love it. Yes. The NFL's turned into the no fun league. I, see, I love I've all that celebration. All I've missed all the the negativity around yeah. the women's team. It's probably just you know bitter. Is it just her? Is it Rapino or is it the whole team? That was the one that I saw, but but I know they got criticized earlier for people scoring like the twelfth goal and well, celebrating. Well, I know that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that. I, yeah, yeah. I didn't watch that, but I know that there are a lot of people that were very upset about all that. You know, I was thinking about Megan Rapino and Sue Bird. They're dating. You know yes, that. Yes. Yes. I, I, I wish in 2019 there was a way for two women to have a kid because I would love to match those genes up and make like a super athlete baby. Can we? Can someone figure that out smarter than me? Come on. Somebody at Microsoft, don't you work at Microsoft? <laughs> oh, yeah, good call. Good call. I'll run down to the lab when I get there on Monday. Well, Tuesday night, U.S., a big favorite over England in one semifinal. The Netherlands and Sweden in the other. Can't wait for that. Yes. Uh, and then the title game on Sunday. And I think I'm going to force myself to watch a little soccer just because of the American pride. Yep. It's July 4th. I, I seem to think that the, 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 the women's team is a bunch of likable characters. I don't really know. I see them in commercials and yeah. on interviews, and they just seem very grounded, very down-to-earth. I like them. And so I, I think I'm going to pull for the Americans. I'm definitely going to watch both games. I'm going to pull for the United States team, I think. You think you yeah, are? Yeah, I'm okay. going to pull for them. Right. Now, before we finish up, yep. I said at the beginning that episode 46 is not going to be named after somebody who wore 46. Okay. Which typically we do. Because I couldn't get into Lee Smith and yeah, Andy I mean, Pettit. I love David, David Hughes. David Hughes. But, you know, yeah. Uh, Chuck Muncie. I couldn't really get into those. Yeah, yeah, fair but enough. that's not really, that's not even the reason why we're not naming 46. I have somebody else, my athlete of the week. Okay. And I don't know whether you're aware of this story, but to me, this is the story that proves once again why we love sports. And what sports can do 
for not only the athletes themselves, but all of us who are fans of sports who watch for whatever reasons we watch. It's the story of a guy by the name of Nate Lashley. It's not ringing a bell, but I can't wait to hear it. I was hoping it wouldn't ring a bell. Nate Lashley, in 2004, was a golfer at the University of Arizona, one of the better golf programs in America, Pac-12 University. So we're talking 15 15 years ago. And I'm just going to read to you the story that was written about Nate Lashley in 2017 by a friend of mine whose name is Jason Sobel, not a friend, friend of the show is named Jason Sobel, who writes for golf for ESPN.com. And this is not a golf story. So don't. I'm in either way. I don't, no, I don't want people fast forward. Don't fast forward. If you're out there listening, don't fast forward. Human not interest a golf story. story. You're going to love it. Okay. I don't know if you're going to love it. All right. I'm just going to read to you 2017 profile piece on Nate Lashley. Okay. Toward the end of Nate's junior year, he and the nationally ranked Arizona Wildcats team were preparing to compete in the NCAA West Regional at Crosswater Club in Sun River, Oregon. His parents, Rod and Char, decided to make the trip to watch the third-seeded Wildcats, and Nate invited Leslie Hoffmeister, his girlfriend, to join them. She was great, he says... She was the nicest person ever. His father was a pilot, so his father decided to fly his mom, his dad, and his girlfriend to Sun River to see the the regionals. With Rod piloting the Cessna, the three of them flew to Sun River and watched a virtuoso performance. In winds gusting more than 30 miles per hour, Nate posted a two-under score on the final nine holes, punctuated by a lengthy birdie putt on the last. Some say the birdie putt was 40 feet. He, with humility again, contends it was much more like 25 feet. Either way, he helped Arizona easily advance to the NCAA championship tournament. When he was done, he found his parents and girlfriend. He didn't have much time before the team was leaving, so they quickly exchanged the usual pleasantries. He thanked them for coming, his parents and his girlfriend. He congr- they congratulated him. Everybody hugged. And then they parted ways. By the next morning, Nate still hadn't heard from his parents or Leslie, which was unusual. He called them, but there was no answer. Back at school, he sought his coach, Rick LaRose, who started making some calls of his own. What happened next, according to Nate, is a blur. Somebody, he thinks, contacted the FAA. They tracked the plane, figuring out its flight path. Rod, Shar, and Leslie were flying back to Nebraska, but hit a rough patch of weather over Wyoming. Nate and his older sister, Brooke, immediately headed there. They holed up in a small town of Lander. Leslie's family joined them. So did various aunts, uncles, and cousins. And for three days, they waited, praying for the best, but dreading the worst. With each passing day, it became less and less likely, Brooke says. But we didn't know the outcome until it was confirmed. On the third day, about a mile from 13,780-foot Gannett Peak, rescue workers found debris from a single-engine Cessna crash, and they also found all three bodies. His mother, his father, and his girlfriend died in a plane crash on the way back from cheering him on in the NCAA regionals. And I bring that up because this weekend, after... That crash, 
Now, let me go back. That was 2004. The professional golfing thing wasn't working out for him. He had to kind of quit. He became, he, he got into real estate. He was flipping homes. And then a couple of years ago, decided to give it one last try. This past weekend in Detroit, Michigan, he decided to try to qualify to play in the PGA event, the brand new PGA event in Detroit. He went on Monday at 36 now, 37, 15 years later. He went on Monday to what they call Monday qualifying, and they take like two or three of 15, the best two or three of 15 in Monday qualifying, put him in the field. He finished 14th out of 15, so he didn't get in the field. Okay. Just as he's about to leave on Wednesday, he finds out that two or three people have withdrawn from the tournament, and he was the third alternate. So he got in. He was the last person to get into the field before leaving on Wednesday. Four days later on Sunday, at 25 under par, Nate Lashley won the PGA event in Detroit, setting up the rest of his career, exemptions, Masters appearances, U.S. Opens appearances. It's just officially on now. It's on. Yeah. That is amazing. What an amazing story. 15 years after losing... His mother, father, and girlfriend in a plane crash. And after quitting the game of golf, he came back, persevered, somehow got in this field, and blew away the field that involved a lot of great Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, a lot of them were in the field. And he wins the more than $1 million first prize. And everything now is set up for Nate Lashley to go on to to other types of success. I don't know if it's possible to be more happy for a human, right? How could you be happier for anyone besides, I mean, he could have just gone, he could have just spiraled after that. I'm sure he did on some level. That's all, that's, that's heavy. I could see if he just never wanted to come out of his house again. I could see that. So if you don't mind, it's amazing. Today, episode 46 is not episode Lee Smith or Andy Pettit or David Hughes. Yes. Episode 46 is episode Nate. It's worthy. All right? I love it. Episode Nate. My athlete of the week is Nate Lashley for winning on the PGA Tour 15 years after losing his mom, his dad, and his and, and his girlfriend in a plane accident after they came to cheer him on in the NCAA regionals. Amazing good, story. Good for him. Congratulations. Right. Episode Nate is now in the books. 